0: Back once again to the TetraCast. This is RPG Site's weekly podcast where we get the site staff together to talk about our favorite genre of video games. I am your host. My name is Brian Vitali. Joining me, I have Josh Torres. The impossible happened. We have Adam Vitali. Oh, Hi. We have chow Wu.
1: Hello.
0: And joining us once again, Mr. James Galizio. Hey folks. Welcome back, James. So, Are you yeah, alive? Are they Uh, okay?
1: Dead
2: inside. Uh, Yeah. Yeah.
0: And you're
1: not done yet, right?
2: Yeah. No, I still have a couple of interviews coming from Anime Expo. Like there's one I've transcribed that needs to uh, be looked over, and then everyone I need to transcribe. And that that one should uh, be up uh, either today or tomorrow. So, but uh, yeah. Whew been a busy last couple of months for me, and it's uh, not really slowing down. So,
0: And just on a podcast front, uh, we've already talked about looking at August and September. It's not slowing down on this front either. Um, so this little gap in July, and I say gap, it's not really much of a gap. It's more just like a small little quiet moment. It's pretty much all we've got until August, and then it feels like it's just pedal to the metal all the way through. So guys, um, what do you want to talk about? Nothing really happened this week.
3: I mean, that, I guess of AX will happen with some important things. Then we got, I unexpectedly got access into a closed beta that I can actually talk about too. So, yeah. you know, there's no small things, I guess.
0: So, yeah, we have a couple small things to talk about this week, and we'll take the opportunity to wrap back around to a few game topics over the last couple of weeks, because if we don't do it like this week or next, we won't really have a chance, it feels like, for at least a couple of months. So uh, that'll probably kind of be the feel of this podcast is trying to put a bow on things, talk to James about his experience with Anime Expo, look ahead to what the late summer holds in store and just kind of go from there. So what Josh is alluding to here, I guess we'll just, we'll just start out with this. Is a game that a few of us have expressed kind of varying degrees of interest uh, over the last year or so, and that is Final Fantasy Ever Crisis. Sorry, Final Fantasy Seven Ever Crisis. What's the full name? Yeah, Final Fantasy Seven Ever Crisis. I, I just wrote Ever Crisis on the um, on the spreadsheet here, so I wasn't sure what the full title was. So anyways, Final Fantasy Seven Ever Crisis. So this is kind of the Final Fantasy Seven compilation spanning entry. That was announced a few years back. Was originally meant to be in some sort of playable state last year. Got kind of delayed, but we're finally at the closed beta uh, this summer for our Ever Crisis. And as Josh has stated, he was able to get into it and has put a decent amount of time into it. And he has shared a few of his thoughts uh, over um, in our staff chat here. And my, you know, my impression based on what you've shared just uh, behind closed doors is that it's been quite a meaty. Beta, a lot a lot to chew on here with this experience. So how well, how's your time been with uh, ever crisis so far?
3: Yeah, there was, I was really uh surprised at like how much they showed in this closed beta. It's kinda like uh it's it's obviously not obviously not represented like the full game because it's only like like s- still small chunks of like say the original FF7 and Crisis course, not the whole story of those, but it's still like a good chunk of like and showing all the other modes. Um it's an interesting experience, I think. Um a lot of it is pretty structurally sound for a mobile game. I think it makes sense in a lot of the decisions that they went through with this. I, I think by uh, coming away from this, I played a good amount of hours into it and like pretty much got to experience uh, like almost everything the closed beta has to offer. The only thing I haven't really experienced is the multiplayer part of it because like, the multiplayer is down and it's only up during certain periods of some days. But even when I try to access it, it's I still can't, so I don't know what's going on with that. Um but like I th- I think there's a lot of really cool ideas here. Like for uh, instance, you know when they first showed off the combat system of um Ever Crisis, it looked a lot like FF13 with like an ATB bar gradually filling and then like you have these uh, commands that'll uh, take up a certain amount of the ATB bar. Um and and the presentation looks a lot like what you used to see from FF13. But, um, so I don't know if they really showed that but I was really surprised with this like stance switch system uh in the game where um you have like an offensive stance and a defensive stance uh that you can switch to pretty much at any time during combat, but, like obviously offensive stance will uh, power up your attacks, and defensive stance will not only boost your defense like up to like thirty percent and even enhance like your healing spells that will that you use in defensive stance. Uh but also like you know, it's it's to kinda of minimize damage during like big attacks that you see coming from uh enemies and there'll be like a like a uh, like a circular timer that shows a big attack coming. So you can like switch into this stance and then uh you know, once you're on the offensive, uh sometimes like enemies will like put up like a like a barrier of sorts that yet like it'll do like a countdown timer before before like it does like a big attack. So you have like a chance to like use certain attacks. To, like, break in and interrupt, like, the cast time of this big attack during offensive mode. And I don't think that's really been shown before, if I remember yeah, correctly. You, you were,
0: yeah, you were describing that uh, in the staff chat here. And it reminded me either of, like, just the classic row system, front row, back row, or, like you said, Final Fantasy Thirteen, where before a big attack, you'd go into, what, like, sentinel, like, stance, or one, one of the paradigms that would be defense-heavy in order to, like, minimize damage and then switch out as soon as that's passed. Yeah, so... I, yeah, I don't. I think I mean, that's either it wasn't like really explicitly marketed, or it was something that was incorporated a bit later past the initial marketing. Yeah,
3: so like the like the combat system is, has some pretty cool aspects in that. Um, but overall, like I, well, I, I like it because I like and I'm like the FF7 and FF7 compilation stuff. Not ob- obviously like all of it, but a good enough chunk of it like i i like i understand what's going on i kind of like the way that they're kind of presenting things because i remember how uh, how it is but i don't know how well this works for like non ff7 fans like i don't know if this will this game you know which will be free to play and available to like whether or not you're on ff like i don't know if it'll really establish some sort of like resonance with people that like really aren't ff because it's very very bite-sized chunks, and that's basically a very like a version of these stories. So, for example, like at the beginning of the FF Seven storyline, obviously you have the destruction of Mako Reactor One. You go do that heist, um, but it's like it's a very abridged version. You get it plays the it plays the opening cinematic from FF Seven Remake. You jump off the train. The graphics sort of look like a. Uh, a high res version of like the FF7, the original PS1 FF7 graphics, kind of chibi style, not as polygonal as like the uh, PS1, but you know it's still very uh, has like that modern chibi Stylized style. And you're,
0: thing.
3: yeah, and you're running around with fi- uh, fixed camera uh, environments with random encounters, much like the PS1 version, but obviously the map is like kind of uh, a-, a bridge, so you're you're getting off the train platform then you're going through the gate and then you're you basically have like maybe uh 2 to 3 like maps till like you're actually entering the reactor itself then like when you enter the reactor you're already going down the ladder to go fight the the guard scorpion so um it it's it's not like a, a intricate map design of like going through the hallways it's kind of just hitting like the the big beats of like what you remember from the map uh originally um so so, uh, so it uh, seems
0: like it's more geared to like, hey, you remember this, right? We'll just give you the cliff notes rather than yeah. Here's a, here's a new way to experience the story.
3: Yeah, it's it's uh, interesting because like during throughout all this, when you're exploring and doing random encounters, it'll like heal your party um, uh, after every encounter, so you don't have to really worry about uh, like inventory management, potion management during these like story sequences, and and like a being story. During these story stages, usually you're like locked to a party. So, like you know, at the very beginning, it's only Cloud, and then eventually, as you move on, you're you're only locked to like Cloud, Barrett, and Tifa. You can't like switch out Tifa for Aerith, or you can't switch out Barrett for like Zack or or one of the first Soldier people. Um, so you're, you're locked Glenn. to these parties. Hell yeah! <laughs> um, but the but it's like the but even these explorable instances are is very limited like during throughout the whole ff7 story that's that's presented in closed beta there's like maybe only two of these instances where you can like fully explore a map because after the the mako reactor one stage you're the the next story node in this as you're meeting eras for the first time it's the flower scene and then like uh after you you doing, doing that scene you're going down the Sector Five alleyway to fight some soldiers. Then that's done. There's no, there's no instance where you're like exploring Sector Five or anything like that. It's just kind of like a a story beat into a battle, and then go. And then right after that is um, just story only cutscenes of you going back to Seventh Heaven. It'll have like 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 that uh, a simple narration before the beginning. It's like oh, after uh, Cloud escaped, you know, he went back to uh, Sector or Seventh Heaven, which is you know the Hide away hide away of avalanche you know and then and then it goes you know you you get to see you get to meet Tifa there, you get to meet Marlene there uh an interesting thing is like it, it's probably just like very very limited in this uh, this instance, but you can actually affect this like the story scenes very very slightly here, depending on whether you took the flower from earth or not from the previous story node because depending on that whether you took the flower or not. You go back to the, you go to the seventh heaven um, story note, and then you have the option if you have the flower, take it to Tifa or Marlene. And then you know, I gave it to Marlene. And then you know, uh, uh, when Barrett comes back, uh, you know, it's a small remark from Marlene saying like, "Oh, you know, Cloud gave me this flower." You know,
0: uh, uh, I feel like kind that. of bad because my memory is like so. Obviously, that's a callback to the original game. I remember in remake, you there's also some decisions made with the flower. But if i recall correctly once the ultimania kind of came out people thought that that might have some effects with some like hidden point system or something because that's very very classic final fantasy but it just didn't in remake like it didn't really mm-hmm. matter it was, oh, it was all for flavor which is not valueless yeah. sometimes just having a little bit of role play flavor is fine just inherently um so that's that's good to know but but i'm also just kind of like what did it do in the original game did it do anything, or was it also for flavor? There, I just genuinely don't remember, and I'm like, ah, brain fog. Like, oh, maybe I'll look it yeah. up while you keep chatting. What did the flower do in OG <laughs> FF7?
3: Did it do anything? So, so, so after you know, uh, so you have these two story node stages with Seventh Heaven, and then ta- and then after that, uh, talking with Tifa about the next mission, mission, and then like Cloud just like like I doesn't really care about the money, pretty much, and you get the the flashback of uh, young Cloud and young Tifa. On that uh, by the water tower um then after then the what's weird about it is after this uh stage, there's like there's like a sub story, but it's like mandatory to do sub story uh set of stages where it's just like small stories about uh biggs wedge and Jesse, so you know like uh for example, with wedges stage is like uh dealing with that candy the uh, cat, Jesse is like a weird one where she's like trying to hack into Shinra. And the way to like bypass the hacking is to like uh, virtualize cloud and bear it into the system to get past the firewall, you know. Which is like just an excuse to like have a a battle, you know, in that stage, pretty much. Then after that, like those three sub th- sub stories, it's onto like the destruction of uh, Maker Reactor Five, I think. And then this is like kind of like you know you you uh, I think an uh, an explorable stage. Then you deal with Airbuster. And then, cloud falls down into the church. Uh, speaks with Aerith, uh, and you get into the Reno fight. And then that's it for the closed beta portion of FF Seven. So like, it's like about maybe like seven to eight s- s- like nodes in FF Seven to get up to this point. So after like re- like after it's the Reno of, fight, it
0: ends. It's interesting to think about because in Final Fantasy Seven Remake it's like oh that's half the story. If, original FF Seven it's like oh that's like the first. Three hours, four oh. hours. Um, yeah. That's kind of an old hat. And I remembered, or not remembered. I had to look it up, and I was like, "Oh, duh! Of course, that's what it was." Um, the flower in the original game tr- was for a hidden counter for the dating sequence at Golden Saucer, like the oh, person that, yeah, you, that yeah, you ride yeah. the, the the Ferris wheel right. with, and, and things like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's what that was.
3: Oh. And, and then you know, after that, um, do you, you you unlock Crisis Core story? So not not all that. Like you have to unlock like each series like sequentially, uh, in this closed beta. So after you do f seven, you unlock Crisis Core. Uh, this one's a bit more tricky to get through because you're only locked to Zack. Zach is obviously it's a solo game, so you only have Zack to work with. So you have to make sure he's kitted out pretty properly to kind of do everything and hit hit weaknesses. But um, you know, same thing. You kind of go through the the like the beginning intro of Crisis Core. Then, you know, you you get through what, what is supposed to mimic the original scenes of F7 until it's like the training room. And then you kind of get some story beats as you talk to the Angeal. Then you go the, the big, you know, story sequence in here is like uh, the fully explorable stage is like uh, the Fort Tamlin um, stage. And then you know, at the end, like there's some even like very slight like exploration elements where you can like um, there are like highlighted parts of the wall where you can like kind of do shortcuts uh, as you're going through uh, like turnable walls, um, and then at the end of that, you meet Young yufi and you fight against those two like big things. I forgot what they're called. Off the bat. Then angel b- bails you out on the final one, and then so so forth until you get to the uh, fight with Ifrit. Uh, or Ifrit, uh, you fight Ifrit, and then you learn about the Genesis copies, and then that's the end of that story. Then you unlock the first soldier and the first soldier is really weird because i've never played the first soldier i don't even know if there's a story beyond the opening cutscene of the first soldier so you see that stuff and like and then the helicopter that glenn matt and lucia are on get shot down and then glenn and lucia are on their own like you know they kind of crash land into this place they don't know where they are they're trying to look for matt and then there's like like creatures that they're running into as they're searching for Matt. You reconvene with Matt, and then eventually you meet with another person, and then you kind of fight off another threat, and then that's the end of the first soldier, pretty much. And there's like there's like an explorable stage in there too that I don't know if it's like this is a thing you do in the first soldier or not because my recollection is like you see that opening cutscene, then you do the battle royale shit. But I don't actually know if there's like story stuff in the first soldier at all. Um, if you if you are aware of. The story of the first soldier. Please let us
0: let us know. Educate us.
3: Put it in the comments. Right. Pretty really much. Well, right. I and
0: not not related to a Soldier. I have not yet played the Crisis Core Remaster from last but December. And mm-hmm. um like I played the PSP version, but it's been so long that I literally remember just like how it ends, which is yeah. like the th- thing that everyone knows the if they haven't played it. Uh, yeah. So like maybe I'll just play it in Ever Crisis and be like, is this a good refresher or not? And my guess is it's like maybe not.
3: Um, yeah, it's it's you know it's it's definitely like if you're familiar familiar with it already, it's like oh, okay, I see what they're doing. But I I imagine you'd want like the proper experience, right? Unless you really hate slots, and then you're just like, I'd like to play another game with a different kind of slots. To uh, to to get so I don't have to deal with the what what was it called like the DMV system? I forget what it's called. Digital (laughs) mind wave.
1: Just called a slot machine.
3: (laughs) So teach us (laughs)
1: DMW.
0: California. Uh, Well, teach us about the 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 new slots. The slots of uh, Final Fantasy VII: Ever Crisis.
3: Yeah, so, you know, as people, you know, there's a mobile game. It does have a gacha element to it. Um, it's It reminds me uh, a lot of, like, Opera Omnia and its structure and how the gacha is done. Um, uh, the story stages that I mentioned don't consume stamina at all, but there is a stamina system for, like, when you're grinding, like, weapon mats um, and other sorts of, like, stages that, are, that you know, you grind on. Um, but uh, the... In this game, you're rolling for weapons like in Opera Omnia. Um, there's a three star, four star, and five star uh version of weapons, and then obviously um the five star rate for SSRs are seven is seven point five percent, which is fa- fairly above average, comp- uh, relatively to most other kinds of games. But you know the the caveat is there's like a large, large, large pool of them uh, of weapons because every weapon has a five star version, at least in the, like the standard weapons that you get. On the flip side, that also means there is like in game ways to like upgrade the rarity of these weapons so like when you get like dupes of weapons when you uh, roll those they be get converted to weapon tickets of that particular weapon and when you reach like say um ten weapon tickets for the bust- buster sword, you can upgrade it to four star rarity from three star and then once you get two hundred weapon tickets for the buster sword, you can upgrade it to uh five star rarity and that this'll obviously upgrade stats and then it'll actually unlock like enhanced versions of like the ability that's on them. So let's say like the three star and four star buster sword have like uh, an ability called Fast Blade. And then once it reaches the five star version it'll uh enhance fast uh, fast blade to braver. Um and that and that and that's kinda the the key value to like the weapons is um you know they they all come with their own ability attached to them. There are some uh five star SSR weapons that are l- uh, limited to the gacha only like uh, the current banners like Cloud's Budasame and Barret's Micro Laser uh weapon and these cannot be obtained uh, through standard means they have to be rolled for uh in there Um it's a it's kind of a weird thing what they're doing with this Um it's it's neat but also I don't know it's kind of weird Uh, where these limited banners have like stamp cards associated to them. So let's say I go to the banner with uh, the the Cloud and Barrett's weapon that I just mentioned. It'll have a stamp card on them, and it's kind of like almost like mileage points, where every time you do a 10-pool, not a single pull, it has to be a 10-pool, you have a chance usually of either getting one stamp, sometimes getting two stamps, rarely three stamps and a a 1% chance of getting 12 stamps on it um because on this stamp card um that like these are pretty much like almost like the pity of this game uh, like when people talk about pity in uh, mobile gacha games it's like basically uh rolling like a certain amount to eventually reach a point where like it finally the game finally kind of gives you what you what you want
0: it gradually um, tilts the rng or maybe not gradually maybe Firmly, or whatever the opposite is, uh puts the RNG in your favor.
3: Yeah. So, like, say the like the sixth stamp on like reaching the st- uh, stamp card is it'll guarantee you either clouds or Barrett's weapon. And you can manually choose which one you want on this like sixth stamp reward. So, uh and, and you can toggle it at any time. So, let's say I I roll I do a ten roll and I get two stamps and I get clouds weapon. I'm like, oh okay, but Barrett's weapon next. So I'll I'll switch that six stamp reward on the stamp card to Barrett's weapon, so when I eventually reach it, I'm guaranteed it if I don't have it yet. Um, and then at the twelve stamp is a new costume for Cloud that will not only obviously change up his look, but it'll uh, it has like substats uh, uh, attached to it as well. So like uh, getting that like, new costumes is valuable if you want like the substats on them, and that's that's the twelve stamp reward. So. You know, if you want that costume, you'll have to keep on doing ten rolls on this banner to keep on uh, getting stamps. And some, and you may, you maybe get uh, get lucky and get like three stamps or twelve stamps at once based off like a single ten roll on that. And then I, 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 along each of these stamp, you're kind of getting like goodies too. You're getting like uh, in-game money. You're getting like uh, uh, weapon mat uh, materials uh, to enhance your weapons. And stuff along the way, so you are kinda of, it's kind of like uh getting prizes as you're rolling uh as well so it's like another r n g on top of like the r n g that you're doing with each ten roll for getting um weapons and also along along with this system um there's like you can like wish list uh like up to like six uh like, weapons that you want and like if you want if you want like certain weapons for like cloud tifa aerith zach and Glenn. You know, you can like actually like wish list like certain weapons that you're aiming for, and then d- these weapons have an enhanced uh, probability to be rolled in your in like each ten roll that you're doing or each roll that you're doing as well on this banner. So like you have like three to four different systems uh, like in like the the gacha banners that are, that's going on. They're, like it makes sense once you understand it, but it's like it's like kind of a lot at the beginning to like kind of wrap your head around because it's kind of like combining like several gacha game systems into one
0: so one thing Um, that i i think i've been following pretty closely uh one thing i wasn't quite sure is are some of the rewards like the costume you mentioned exclusive to the stamp like you have to work your way up through the stamp card to get the cloud costume or can you also get it from the banner through rng
3: yes it's only through the stamps you can only get it through through reaching it through stampsters because because everything that you roll uh, in the game, it's only weapons. Nothing else will show up besides weapons.
0: Gotcha. Um, okay, that makes sense.
3: Yeah. So, and then there's also another banner uh, as well for like uh, that's first soldier focus or like a blend a new outfit. You know, if you want, but who who's who? No, no one's gonna roll for that banner. No, no one's gonna roll on that. Banner. Mm-hmm. Everyone wants a fucking cloud I, I, I samurai will. costume. All just, right, just to be a hipster. <laughs> yeah the the, the, the Glenn outfit it looks like a Leon special outfit from Resident Evil 4, the one that has like the the tuxedo and everything. That's what it looks like.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, so, um, th- actually, like building out your characters is a and party is a pretty interesting prospect in this game because you have a party of three uh, in this game, and like the amount of things that you kind of bolt onto characters is like kind of a lot at first. So once you get to like the character customization screen. You have their main weapon, of course. Um that main weapon, of course, is gonna account for like their like their main attack stats on that weapon and like the, the main ability on that weapon. Um additionally, you can equip a sub-weapon on them, which will be one of the weapon one of the other weapons that you have rolled for them. And and the main uh use for a sub-weapon is you're you're getting like the ability from them. You're adding the ability that they do onto like your main attack bar as well. So let's say I have the Buster Sword that has braver. Um and then I can equip like say, you know, let's say I'll equip uh Cloud's Murasame as a sub-weapon. Now I have like like the, the, the Thunder Step or whatever, the Thunder Strike uh sub-ability on my uh, on my uh command bar on on cloud now. Uh, because I have that weapon equipped on the sub thing, well, I can uh, and I can also just flip it around too. I can have like the Murasame as the main weapon, and I still have the Thunderstrike, but I, ha- I now have like that—that's that weapon stats as like my main attack and stat modifiers, and have the Buster Sword be my sub weapon, and I'll stop Braver available to me because it's now equipped as a sub weapon. So
0: one of them becomes um, your stat stick, and one of them becomes like your ability stick.
3: Yeah, sort of, but you're still getting them like the ability from like the main um yeah, weapon as well. So you you have like up to two like weapon abilities uh equipped on you at any given time. Then like to uh so that's like two of your five like ma- like abilities on your on your uh characters like kind of like moves that they can do because they do the basic attack on their own and the thing that you manage uh is like the these abilities uh based on a t b um then you have three material slots uh that you can equip onto them and those those account for like the rest of the three commands so I can have like i can equip a fire materia a blizzard material thunder materia and so cloud will just have fire blizzard and thunder available to him also in battle along with these two weapon abilities uh so that so that that's kind of like an interesting way to kind of you know kick your characters and make them like maybe synergy or chemistry along with each other like let's say i want everyone to at least have like one cure material on them so at any time no one is like has any health issues or like or has the inability to heal um on them so so you have the main weapon sub weapon three materia then you hear so here's like the kind of the main kind of like quote-unquote statistics a little where there's like another Tab on character outf- outfitting characters where it's like you can equip like like um additional equipment onto them um and these aren't these aren't character locks so let's say I have two slots to equip other weapons onto them and I could equip like any Barrett weapon and any um Red 13 weapon uh on them and the what, what you're getting from these Uh, weapons primarily that you're equipping is not necessarily their abilities or their um, stats, but it's like the the sub-skills that are on them. So the Baric weapon that I equip might have like a physical strength up, and the Red 13 weapon might be a healing potency up on them. So now when I equip these, uh, Cloud will have uh, increased strength, physical strength, and his heals will be more potent because of the weapon that uh, up from Red Thirteen that I equipped onto him in this kind of like secondary gear category on that, so there's a lot going on when you're when you're kind of expecting out, and and then you're doing all this like all this stuff for like three characters in like a main party, uh, so uh, there's a lot of like flexibility on like what sorts of like things you what, what sort of synergy you want to go uh for, and also accounting for like like what weaknesses you want to target on like any certain boss because like you know like in any rpg targeting weaknesses is good like uh, because it's increased damage but it's also doubly good in this game because of like those um certain windows when like the the enemy's like casting a big attack you want to hit like their weaknesses um uh to like kind of bring down that counter and interrupt that attack as well um, so I don't know if that made a lot of sense, but there's it's just like a lot going on.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what I what I've mostly gleaned from it is that that second door that secondary equipment slot is very like versatile um, in terms of what mechanically its purpose can serve.
3: Yeah, because because as you're, equip- you're as you're upgrading weapons, like those sub abilities that they have, like they'll they'll uh, eventually learn more sub abilities after they reach a certain like level. So there's like value in upgrading doing horizontal like progression and like trying to eventually level up like different types of weapons that might not be your main weapon because you'll want these sub abilities on like certain characters in the long run um and stuff like that so all, all the all the all, all the battle stuff that I I've, I've t- told you about sounds cool on paper and it pretty it, and it's pretty cool when you're like manually doing them the the weird part is auto battle just does everything better than you in this game it's like very optimized to like so let's say when you turn on auto battle there's like two modes there's like semi which is like it'll it'll cast like you know um uh, uh, like it'll just cast like your your abilities on your characters when you have the proper atb and semi is like whatever but then when you get, when you go like full auto in this game It'll also auto uh, automate like um, stance switching as well. And auto battle already the uh, already just like hits weaknesses on its own when it like um, when your characters are equipped and have weaknesses on them. They'll just you know spam weaknesses because basically that's what you want uh, aside from healing. So full going full auto, you know, it'll do everything. It'll heal you when you're low on HP. It'll stance switch you at like to, right at the precise time like the. The boss is about to do a big big attack, so full auto will just optimize damage for you right till the last second before it does a big attack. Then it'll do the stance switch and it'll just do everything pretty much. So, right now, from what I've played, there's very little reason to get off auto battle than two times speed because auto battle will just kind of do everything on its own pretty much perfectly. And obviously, two times speed will just, you know, make battles go faster so you can you know continue to do more content um you know in 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 your play session
0: so i was playing near reincarnation for about like a month Mm -hmm. i think the biggest like paradigm shift for me getting into this style of game that was that this is reminding me of is the auto battle in that game actually like had a mode that was deliberately just to conserve battery on your phone Uh, I Uh forgot, like, like an an efficiency mode where like lower the frame rate, make it like choppy, because it seems like the intent was, if you're playing this game for real, you will be doing a lot of auto battling because you need to. But we don't want to tax the hardware. So we will literally give you an option to do this repeatedly at a lower (laughs) fidelity. So basically, I don't like that. That's my only foray. And I don't want to try to extrapolate too much. It just seems it just seems like when you when you tell me that auto battle, it seems like almost the intended way to play, which which is not unheard of. You have a game where a lot of the player input is scheming your party and your attributes and your um uh your your configuration and like you're making sure that you're geared appropriately, and then you roll and see how that stacks up against whatever the game's throwing at you rather than input or reaction or anything like that
3: yeah i mean like i said because it's a mobile game in nature right like it'll get like it'll become tedious like inevitably to like have to manually do everything so i kind of like you know i I get it on that aspect because you know i'm no stranger to mobile games i know how these go so like it's it's probably like Oh, probably a good decision in the long run, but it kind of feels weird because, like, the game, like, the only player input that you, uh, that no matter what, will not be automated is like when you use limit breaks. When you use limit breaks in the game, like you know, it like it'll have like a flashing yellow icon, um, and it'll not automate those. You you always have to like manually decide when you do them, and you'll want to chain limit breaks as well because they have like better modifiers. So like say, um, I have Barrett. Cloud and Tifa, and they'll have their limit breaks up. You know, there's a way to like you know just tap on all three of those glowing yellow things, and it'll chain them, and 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 it'll have like a higher attack mo- uh, modifier the later the limit break is. So let's say like Bar- Barrett does his, then like, like at a uh, standard uh, times one modifier, then like at a one point two five modifier, it'll do Tifa's somersault, and then um and then at a one point five like attack modifier, it'll be clouds at the very end if you use this at the end. You know, so like there 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 is like some sort of like sort of player agency of like where do you want to get like your big DPS window uh, when do you want to initiate that. As everything else is kinda of, like automating itself. Um but you, you know, it's it's it, ultimately it's kinda of like it it's it's kind of a preordained numbers game. Um where If you have the proper party configuration, you should be successful. Um, If you don't, then like no matter how much auto does for you, it'll try its best. You'll you'll still probably fail, and like maybe some manual tinker can you can like kind of brute force through that with like kind of waiting it out and like doing stuff on your own and like maybe pushing through it like that. But it's more likely an issue of like your party setup more so than like uh, a command a, a command issue, right? You know. So once so, you play through in
0: the beta, the you've mentioned like the different stories will force stop you at certain points. Like when you go back to the game, like if you were to boot up your beta access now, what is like the repeatable mission structure? You've already played through like the bombing mission story mode or whatever you want to call it. If you want to like st- just like how, how does the how, what's the repeatable gameplay past the story like with the stamina based gameplay?
3: So you have your standard like uh, weapon enhancement um, stages where you can like uh, you know grind nodes for like materials to upgrade your weapons. You also need um, certain materials like uh, steel and iron uh, to uh, uncap their levels on weapons because so like every weapon that you get has a has a weapon an additional weapon limit of or level of twenty, and then you'll need like say like ten iron. To uh, increase its weapon level, uncapped to fifty. So you'll have to do those. Um, there's also the tower um, that unlocks after the after you finish the first soldier, and it's kind of it's your standard like tower uh, style in like gotcha games where like you uh, as as you progress through the tower fights will get tougher, and the the rewards you get from the tower are like these character shards um, after each battle, and you actually. Uh, unlock like a character growth feature after the first soldier as well where like each character has like a like a it looks like a skill tree but it's more like a a a tree for like uh, standard stats so like if you go into like the first node it'll be attack plus seven so you spend one character shard to uh, unlock this attack plus seven node and then it'll it'll branch off and then do you want to take uh, this path to like uh heal plus seven which will enhance their healing potency or do you want to go towards this other branch that'll increase their max HP and stuff like that. So the that's another way to like kinda uh gradually uh, like you know um grow your characters and make them more powerful is like this uh sort of like um passive stat tree almost. Um you also have uh one of the coolest uh modes in this game is a thing called Criterion Dungeons. And these criterion dungeons are basically uh, almost like remixes of like the fully explorable areas that you do. Where it doesn't change up like the map layout, but it changes up like the enemy lay, uh, layout of them. So once you let's say I go to the Criterion Dungeon of Maker Reactor 1. And you know, you and there's no there's no story uh, locks on there. You can do whatever sort of like party you want. If you want like Tifa lucia and zach and you know sure go for it if you want barrett red 13 and glenn go for it uh you know and, and and to be clear like the only characters available in this closed beta are cloud barrett tifa erith red 13 zach and the three first soldier characters which is glenn matt and lucia and those are the only characters available uh in this uh closed beta so you go to this criteria dungeon and you're you're running around and there are these um glowing markers like showing that like there's like a, a boss here, like these are called symbol encounters. And like you go into them and you kinda of, and like you know your strategy doesn't really change up from like how you first fought them. So like one of the bosses will be like uh guard scorpion, uh, you know, you kinda of beat it up the same way. Uh but the the thing here is like every every damage that you take in this mode. A certain percentage of your max life will decrease. So let's say your character gets the gets hit for like a hundred damage. You know, that might mean that like five percent of their max life will permanently decrease for the for the duration of this criterion dungeon. So there's sort of like a survival element to it. Because you like, can like, like a long
0: term attrition of sorts.
3: Yeah. So, but there are there are treasure chests like uh the, like that have like supplements that will like uh, that will heal like twenty percent back of like your max HP. It won't it won't heal your HP, but it'll heal back like the potential max HP that you that you mm-hmm. lost. And, uh, and then eventually you'll 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 come across like one treasure chest that has like four potions in it. So you have to be kind of like you know you can't dawdle around too much in this dungeon. But then there are sometimes like in these like criterion dungeons, there's like kind of like secret encounters. So like in the Maker Reactor one, if you instead of like going, if you if you were like the T shaped like hallway in to get into the rea- get into the reactor, instead of that T T shaped hallway, where instead you would go the other way where Wedge was, um, instead of like where Wedge is no longer there, there's like a door that like you can't get through, but you run up to that door and you initiates like a secret random encounter against a cactuar, and like mm-hmm. and like this cactuar is kind of like beefy, and you kind of need to beat it in like a certain amount of time before it flees. And you kind of and you want to beat this Cactivar because it has a nice like, it has a nice drop reward of like blue three hundred blue crystals, which is gotcha currency. But also because these are sub objectives as well that'll count towards the like, the full completion of the criterion dungeon. And you can always come back and like redo the criterion dungeon again if you didn't like finish all the sub objectives. So it's kind of like neat little exploration elements like that, that and also a little bit of survival elements that um kind of give like the game a sort of like different kind of challenge. And instead of just like you know, like hitting out your party in a certain way, it's like you're trying to reward you for like exploration and like being thorough about like completing these criterion dungeons.
1: Um, I'm trying to think. Um, was it, yeah. um, James? Do you remember the criterion dungeons in Final Fantasy 14? He he went and talked
0: about those previously. Yeah, I was actually going to think like that's the same thing they're called in fourteen, right?
1: Yeah, it sounds very similar to it. I didn't really do it, that's why I'm just like having a hard time to kind of relate the experience. But I remember James did, that's why I was like wondering if he did it, and maybe this comparison would sound similar. But since he's not really here, I can't. Well,
2: no, I mean, I'm I'm here. It's like I've, I mean, I did some of the. uh, I'm not sure if like the base version is variant or criterion. I forget, but I I did like one like the first one, and I guess the second one is coming out any week now like it might be next week actually because it's been like a month and a half or thereabouts since uh 6.4 but yeah it's like yeah
3: yeah uh like like the, these these are neat there's also another feature called crisis dungeons that i haven't i don't know if like, it, it's available closed beta or not but um it's kind of locked out to me right now i'm not exactly sure what those are but those are different types of dungeon as well But I mean, aside from the story stuff, a lot of the game is just like kind of like grinding and building up your party to kind of get past the next hurdle. So like right now, my current strongest party is a little over thirty k in power, and the next tower floor it has like not requires but recommends a power level of thirty two k. Not that I need to reach it, but eventually, you know, I'll I'll keep on doing content. Eventually, eventually, I'll come across a wall, and then I'll have to like kinda do the daily grind of like um powering up their weapons, powering up their materia, getting them to like a certain spot where like I can finally overcome like the next wall in front of me. And then eventually, you know, I'll have to wait for like content updates that uh, for for you know the dev team to add like maybe new chapters to Crisis Core or you know, maybe new stuff to FF7 or do first soldier and whatever they decide to add like their Cerberus and before Crisis storyline so i feel like that's going to be the the loop of the game is like as you're waiting for like these new ff7 compilation story chapters you're kind of just doing like kind of that daily grind that you kind of do in every mobile game where you kind of need to do your dailies or weeklies um doing your uh, being vigilant about doing the tower stuff and just like kind of slowly you know powering up the uh, what's available to you and whatever you've drawn for the gacha as well you know that uh you know that
0: meme, like I think it's a tweet uh where it's like person that's only seen boss baby, I'm getting boss baby vibes from this, like that's what I kind of get only having only played near reincarnation, just the way you describe the missions having like a recommended power level, the way you need certain numbers of materials to uncap your weapons. I'm like, yeah, this rings a bell, I saw this uh-huh. once before, yeah <laughs> and then my one exposure yeah. to this sort of game, yeah, like all right, it'll... No. so so people like who have played multiple of these sorts of games it seems like it's gonna be sort of like. I don't know, but par for the course. But it doesn't sound like anything that will surprise them, except yeah, maybe I mean, the stamp system sounds a bit kind of. Based on what you've described, it sounds like that stamp system is the part that seems like the most unique.
3: Yeah, it, like I mean, you've seen like you've seen like similar systems in other gotcha games, like you know, Princess Connect had a very similar system during like during like prize reward periods during mm-hmm. that. Um, so it's not uh, like the most unique system in the world, but it is an interesting implementation of it because of like how you know. They had like this the the ff7 ip not just ff in general but ff7 alone in isolation like has such like a big 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 fan following a loyal following right so you know a lot of people are are, are probably going to get suckered into the stamp cards because uh, you, you just know eventually they'll come up with a stamp uh, a stamp card and that 12th stamp will be the cowgirl tifa outfit and you know That's what people are going to fucking pay loads to get to that cowgirl tifa outfit come hell or high water you know. Um, <laughs> I, mean, I was thinking, I was, I was,
0: I was was thinking like wrong? an advent. I was thinking like an advent. Okay,
1: okay, okay. Effort. Here's a dark secret: I was only able to beat Final Fantasy 13-2 when they have a bikini DLC on sale for Sarah. That was
0: it.
3: <laughs> see, see. I mean, it, the the fucking the, the fucking system works.
0: And then there's Adam who played all of Final Fantasy 13-2 with the Mass Effect crossover. Remember that? Oh hell yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. No, Noah and Sarah, or not Noah, Noel, Noel. And yeah, Sarah no. uh, wearing the N7 armor <laughs> the entire game.
3: That's awesome. So. But yeah, I mean, I mean that that's, that, but I mean that's kind of the gameplay loop of the game in general, right? So, I mean, it'll it really to see how this, is, how if this game will have legs in the long run, and like I guess I it'll really all come down to like how often they update this game, like what the content updates will be like. If it's gonna be monthly, and if it's gonna be monthly, how much content are you are you gonna, are you gonna expect, and then what, what, what events are going to look like in this game, but like, what will a summer event look like in this game? What will a Christmas event look like in this game? Um, And all, all sorts of stuff like that. Um, It also will depend on, like, you know, a lot of people are obviously going to, like, pay to, like, roll in this game, but I think a lot of, like, fans will, all, a, a good chunk of people will just want to play this and not spend any money on it, so I think a lot of it is going to come down to, like, what yeah. their yeah well, yep. Well, well, how often are they gonna? How generous are they gonna be about like the, the currency in this game? Like how often are they gonna give that? Because by its very nature, you're gonna need to roll a lot because you'll want to like upgrade these weapons and like get them to like a good state. Like even like four star weapons are valuable. Like because when you roll when you roll a four star weapon of a weapon that you already have, it'll automatically upgrade the rarity of it. And you'll you you also want like a vast array of uh, weapon options to push through content. Because of like the sub ability system, mm-hmm. so you don't like, and there and there will be cases like during the story, like Crisis Core, for example, where you'll you'll need to like have a pretty powered up Zack to push through because, like, if, like he's on his own, and you you kind of need that Zack to do everything to push through that story. So and 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 by its very nature of like you're switching uh, parties constantly because of different. FF Seven compilation storylines. They'll need to like allow players who don't spend a cent on the game to still advance these at a comfortable pace because they'll have to build up a vast array of characters. you can't just like stick to one party and then uh, expect that for you for that to cruise you through the game because the because of the story how the story is handled. You'll have to constantly be using story locked parties that have like set configurations. But it'll still account for like what weapons the player has rolled for for them and stuff like that.
0: And I was so. reminding myself, like, did this game have it? Like, I'm I'm on iPhone, so I don't I can't play this without emulating it or whatever in the beta, anyways. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was trying to remind myself if an official release date was announced, and no, just the beta dates right going yeah. on right now, and then uh, commitment to twenty twenty three, and that's that's it so far.
3: So we'll we'll see. I don't uh, I don't know really what to I I'll give it a shot, because I actually do enjoy like kind of the loop of it. I just don't like but it's a it's a very like it's your standard like honeymoon period for like a mobile game where you'll feel good at the very beginning because they give you so much stuff and like especially in this closed beta period where like they're a lot, a lot more generous than, than I I assume but Richard would probably be in the full version of the game because in this closed beta period, like every new uh day the every new reset on the on daily they'll give you enough currency to do a ten pull so you get three thousand crystals just for free and also to celebrate... the your the, the, own words in the in-game message when you when you accepted this to celebrate positive reception of the closed beta test they gave you thirty weapon uh their thirty draw tickets as well. Which I imagine none of the obviously none of the progress that I made in the closed beta will carry over to the full game. Everything will be wiped when it's over. But I imagine you know These things that I expect, these rewards that I got in closed beta, you know, they're not going to be that generous in the full game. They're not going to give you a full ten pull currency, you know, every single day. They won't give you thirty fucking draw tickets because of the positive reception, you know, in the in the final game. I I imagine. So I'll be really interested to see like what is their like kind of like their normal loop of like what they're giving out then. You know, they they have their pre-registration stuff going. And I saw the rewards on that. It's like it's okay. It's probably gonna be, it, it it's probably gonna be like a decent game to re-roll on, honestly. But um, yeah. Well, we'll see. A lot of this is kind of like there's something here. There is something cool about like kind of kind of splitting the difference between like all the different art styles that like FF Seven has gone through. Kind of like with the chibi stuff and the and the fixed uh, camera. And, uh, and the fixed backgrounds, like, sort of reminiscent of the PS1 area. But then you have, like, when have characters, significant characters are, like, talking with each other, you kind of have, like, this stylized art portrait uh, for the characters that seem, like, really cool, with, like, thick outlines that you haven't really seen before in FF7. And then when you, when you, get, you go into battle, it's, like, all the high-def model stuff that you've seen, like, in Remake. Um, and it's kind of, like, trying to, like, kind of unify, like, and celebrate all the different art styles that FF7 has gone through and how that will affect other FF7 compilation stuff as well. Like for example, like kinda in the first soldier the explorable area that you have is kinda like a kind of like a shoreside beach area that's like pretty nice visually. It has a really nice color palette, uh open blue sky, and then it's all leading towards like an area that's like full of like uh like kinda like sakura blossoms, you know, lots of like cherry trees. It looks very, very pretty like that environment. And like that's really cool to see like Come to fruition in this game, and it makes me really interested to see like how other FF Seven locales and how other FF Seven compilation series like look in this in this game. What will their Cerberus look like? What will Before Crisis look like? You know, and other sort of stuff. Like,
0: well, we'll keep some tabs on Ever Crisis, and we have we don't know when it's going to come out, but sometime this year, and we'll be interesting to see. Exactly how the game launches and what the post-release plans look like, because it seems like they've shifted a bit from how it was initially announced. Based on um, James's preview from a few weeks back, it sounds like James remind me they're planning to do like a series of regular like monthly updates. Yeah, yeah. At
2: least they told me that the main story of the original Final Fantasy VII, like obviously abridged in the way they're doing it. Should be available at launch. That's what they told me. So let's. Okay. See.
3: Yeah. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see how that all shapes up, and see how. Like yeah, I'm really interested to see, like if it's like how what the, how does that translate into like the pacing of this game? Like I'll be like I'm I'm interested, and we will report back. Like I I will I will just give this game a generous honest shot because I'm really. Cause it's so weird. It's, it's it's a very it's a very weird thing, <laughs> and I, it's weird enough for me to go like, yeah, I think I, I think I'll, I'll I'll go through it. I'll invest. You know, I'll definitely take the time to, you know, explore around it, and then be be sad when like my cool party lineup of like Cloud, Tifa, and Aerith. It's like my main party with like five star weapons, and then man, man, Barrett got his five star weapon for me too. But like, oh, man. I'm gonna sometimes, be right, I my account. Some, <laughs> I'm really gonna soon. be sad when right,
0: my beta account. <laughs> well sometimes uh sometimes weird things stay weird, but sometimes weird things end up being really good. So we'll keep tabs on Final Fantasy VII Ever Crisis and see uh if it has staying power. And Josh's time with the closed beta of Ever Crisis was really the only new new game experience for this week. So we're going to go into wrapping up a few thoughts from some games from some previous weeks, starting with what was our headliner last week where we brought on George Ying uh, to talk about Trails into Reverie. So the rare occasion where the embargo released uh, a little over a week past the actual release date. So uh, Trails into Reverie officially released in the West um, yesterday as the time of recording. And um, at the time of last week's recording, George Yang had put up his review, and uh, over at IGN, please give it a thumbs up uh, if you appreciated it. And then over the last week, I put up my review on Trails into Reverie. It pretty much just echoes my thoughts that I kind of gave um, last week. But uh, since the game is now officially released on console, I played it on PC. James was, uh, was mentioning a few things that he had either witnessed himself or had heard about regarding the, the console release about Trails into Reverie that you uh, wanted to talk about here.
2: Well, I didn't actually want to talk about it too much, but long story okay. short it's it's not just the console release, it's also the p c version. They're just there's a number of bugs going around where to be frank, if you're planning on playing this, I would actually suggest waiting like a week or two for a patch because um one of the issues is that any of the characters that weren't in Cold Steel Four. Their link levels are just completely broken right now. Like just completely broken. And oh. there's some fish where if you fish them up, it'll just crash the game.
3: Oh my God. <laughs> oh yeah. no. When, when, okay, when, when,
0: when James was talking about this, like I feel kind of maybe silly because I like I hate to just say what works on my machine or whatever. because uh, I I did have a couple crashing issues, but it was when I was like doing the high speed super skip through cutscenes. And I was just thinking, like, oh, maybe I just shouldn't do that. I should just watch the cutscenes. And to be clear, this would be like if I'm refighting a boss fight or something like that. Um, But I didn't have any crashes due to, like, fish issues. I did notice a few, like, typos in some of, like, the non-voice script. I know some people uh, had brought up some concerns with the way certain locations were translated. But I just didn't have, like, the knowledge of what it was originally known as in the fandom to to make that comparison. To be completely
2: Uh, clear here. To be completely clear here. Nobody in AS America wanted these issues to be in the game. Don't mm-hmm. harass people. I, the fact I have to say this after what happened at Anime Expo, don't harass people.
0: <laughs> and I saw something like a bug where... I guess, like, as typical in these games, you upgrade, you know, crafts and S-Crafts throughout. And apparently some of the updated S-Crafts weren't actually doing more damage. And I'm like, oh, I'm not surprised I didn't catch that because, like, that's kind of in the weeds. And a lot of times when you do an S-Craft, like, the enemy's dead or they're just about dead. Um, yeah. So hopefully some of the little mechanical tweaks in the in the battle system and making sure that the link levels work and the, the crafts are tearing up the way they're supposed to get addressed uh, shortly. Yeah,
2: yeah. So... One thing I will say that's notable about Trails into Reverie's, uh, Reverie's release is that this is the first time that US America has released a Trails game that wasn't like Trails um, Trails, into, uh, Trails from Zero Trails into Azure. That they've released it on multiple platforms. Like they've released it on PS4, PS5, PC, and Switch. Mm-hmm. And the thing you have to understand about that is that that's that like drastically increases the amount of like QA time you need to allot for a project, especially with a game like Trails, which has so much text and so many moving parts. Not to mention the fact that like they have VR components in the PS4, PS5 and PC versions of the game that you have to test. It's just I they might have bit off more than they can chew. They might have bit off more than they can chew. They they might it might have been a better idea if they had stuck with the uh, thing they did with Cold Steel three and four, where they released it on PlayStation first and then ported it to other platforms. Because it seems like, I guess uh, they eventually wanted to like just rip that Band-Aid off and have things be simultaneous. But from what we're seeing, obviously there has been some growing pains. And yeah, I,
3: I, I, I think it's, I think it's fine to have like you know like ho- hopefully they do fix it asap. Obviously, but I don't I I don't think it like the, the going back to the old way of releasing things would like that's yeah. not necessarily like the, the the most optimal thing to do. It's like it's like one of those things like oh well the, the, if we did this the first time then you know that that, that means we should go back to the old way because now that, that that wouldn't have happened. It's like not necessarily like. I, like I, i'm just not a fan of like oh it's like we stumbled in, we, we stumbled into these things that we have to go back is like mm, i don't know i think i think it's just yeah. like kind of learning from the experience uh taking that into account into like the production pipeline and like you know
2: yeah
3: it's like it's like 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 the the transition to these things aren't isn't always easy you know i think it's one of those things like you just kind of learn these lessons as you move forward because, yeah. uh, obviously you want like the best experience for people on day one for the most amount of people. Because obviously you have a lot of fans from from different platforms waiting for this eagerly. Because they, you know, every everyone knows all across the board, all across the spectrum that we're still in this catch up game, and we'd really like to be on par where Japan is with, with, with these games. So kind of making that wait longer for certain people is like not always the greatest decision too.
2: And people are like, I'm not going to like sit and tell um, tell people that uh, they should be happy about these issues. And it yeah. is frustrating it's frustrating when hard. when I mean. Unfortunately, NIS America does have a history of stuff like this, and it makes sense that people might be less inclined to be. Patient or understanding of, of issues when they pop up, when it's like we've all heard about the stuff. Of like uh, Artanelico on the PS2, where it's like this boss after three turns will crash the game if you don't kill it in time. It's just. I, don't know the I, I have I, it's,
3: it's, it's it's like one of those things. Is like like if this company can survive like issues, like a, a, a string a string of issues that couldn't be patched back then, they'll they'll make it through. It's okay.
0: Yeah,
3: you know we will be fine. Uh, just like the just like obviously you know like uh, James said it earlier, but just like don't don't give the developers shit for this you know like they 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 know it they've they've heard the feedback they're they're gonna work on it um you don't need to like get on their asses about it. They, they 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 know they want to make the the best experience for people you don't need to fucking harass them there's no there, that doesn't help anybody like if you really to like just sit down and sit for two seconds or just think about it like who does this help it kind of helps no one and you just get more and you just get more mad in the and like during the process too like it kind of it doesn't help you and it doesn't help them so if it doesn't help anyone then why do it
0: the only thing i can really contribute is just like maybe i'm not as observant as other people but i just and i kind of feel like in Cullens shoes talking about Final fantasy 16 how he didn't really notice the motion blur issues um which would have been fixed since then more on that later but like i i had the couple crashes when i was trying to like hyperspeed through cutscenes, but i didn't have like my experience was not marred by technical issues i would just state it that way on pc if you're playing on switch maybe they're more prevalent i'm not sure um but yeah like i, I did not have like some sort of terrible time i've, I've played far far worse pc ports because <laughs> <laughs> this is obviously still ph3 who in general does pretty good pretty damn good job
3: so. yeah then, yeah especially if you like if you, if you want like If you're not going to trust Anissa, then trust in Durante, you know? (laughs) Come on. Like, I I think Durante has earned it well well above Mm -hmm. that. Him and his company just, you know, they produce some of the finest fucking ports in the business. So, you know, give them some slack. You know, they've earned it.
0: All right, I really didn't have any other thoughts on Reverie at the moment. Um, I do have the written review up on the site, so last week we had the IGN review that we pointed to from George Jang, now it's up on RPG site as well. Maybe we'll just leave it at that. The other game, so obviously I spent most of this last couple weeks playing through Reverie. Um, Last week when we talked, I was basically in the final stretches of the game. Uh, This week I was playing through the, the final bits of the Reverie corridor, getting up the review, getting all the um, all the post-game stuff out of the way. And I've been returning to Final Fantasy 16 specifically the hard mode, the Final Fantasy mode, the New Game Plus mode that unlocks after beating the game. So when we last talked about Final Fantasy 16, it was on release week, and uh, we had a few people who had played, like me and Josh at the time, had played a significant portion of the game, um, and James as well, and then Colin had completed the game. I believe I have that all stated correctly yeah but well, but Colin Cull- well. Cull- had just about uh, started, but did not did not dive into because of course he had just marathoned it of course uh, the final fantasy mode of the game, and talking about how obviously it unlock it uncaps the level cap, it shifts around the enemy um positioning, it gives you different sorts of resources, it seemed like it would be like, wow, this has the potential to be something quite neat, like maybe something we talked about how the base game was quote unquote lacking in like rpg elements it had a very strange level of resource management things like that we thought maybe these are things that can be fixed in the final fantasy mode and plus i'm a sucker i want to get the platinum trophy anyway so i've been playing through the final fantasy mode because you have to do that in order to do it um and even though i've been enjoying my play through the game it's fun to start you know do the initial uh battles with like all the icon abilities and things like that you can finally start getting enough attribute points to unlock a lot of like the final abilities to be able to spam like gigaflare and diamond dust and the phoenix rebirth you know so you can finally have enough ability points to to spec into all of those i will say that the final fantasy mode doesn't really change a whole lot it doesn't shake It's not a a world shaker. How it ends up working once you start diving through it is like, yes, it's tearing up. Like you're getting different materials in order to craft like a higher tier of weapons, but it's very straight line. Any quest, I've been going through our quest guide and um, our hunt guide and seeing like what they used to reward you on the first playthrough and what they reward you in the second playthrough. If before it gave you a meteorite, which is like a crafting upgrade. Now gives you a flawless meteorite. Like it's just Whoa. one tier up. <laughs> if, if before it gave you twenty sharp fangs, now it gives you forty sharp fangs, and very regularly, very consistently, it just doubles. If it's like an item that you end up with a lot of, all the magic ash, all the sharp fangs or whatever, it just doubles what you originally got. If it's like one of those items that you're supposed to sell for money or one of the rarer items, it just tears it up um, like one tier. Like so much so, it's so predictable that I've been making notes so that I could update the hard, the quest guide that we have on our site with like the hard mode rewards, where before I finish the quest, I just kind of guess what the hard mode reward's going to be. Like this will tear up, this will just be doubled, blah, blah, blah. And I've been right like 95% of the time. So it's really, instead of being like this real big shakeup, it's quite predictable, which is not like terrible. It's just kind of like, oh man, like there was a lot of potential here. And it's I don't know if they quite realized it um, in terms of really being a big shakeup. They do, um, they do shift around enemy positioning a fair bit and early in the game it's pretty obvious like you'll be in one of the very first missions with sid and there'll be a griffin and like oh of course Mm -hmm. you didn't see griffins at this point in the game like that's yeah that's very different but the further you get into the game i'm kind of like was that there before i'm fighting like later in the game you fight all the akashic right and it's like oh there's there's an akashic airman in this group i know i fought those before was it here before i don't quite remember so it kind of loses it's like meaning when early in the game you can do a lot of interesting things by shifting around the um enemy positioning but late in the game when all the enemies like there's, there's a lot of enemy reuse in final Fantasy sixteen or recolors or you fight the same enemy only to the akashic version or the orcish version or, or whatever um and it's like okay i'm sure they're still like tweaking it but it's less apparent less obvious and you still end up with like thousands of resources that Um, It does do a tiny bit of a better job where upgrading weapons as you like go through in the Final Fantasy mode might take like 300 or 400 of a resource, which sounds like a lot. But you're being rewarded so many in the hard mode where you've got like literally 6000 Magic Ash. And I'm like, oh, okay, this upgrade required 400 of it. I guess that's a little bit of a dent. Um,
1: I'm going (laughs) to ask you, does the... Was it, you know, how like the trash mobs that you fight in Final Fantasy 16? Do they ever make those fights ever more interesting in any way? Because you could just use ignition and just kill off any trash mob. Hello, <laughs> uh,
3: fellow ignition uh, enjoyer.
0: <laughs> so, no, I will, um, you're once you find like your s- slate of abilities that works, just like in the base game, you just kind of repeat that all the way because there's no like elemental weaknesses, there's no, uh, like, th- there's no dominant like weapon triangle or whatever in terms like that. So for trash mobs by the end of the original playthrough and just starting on square one of my repeat playthrough, I would just do ignition, which kind of balls up the enemies. I would do diamond dust, which basically does a good chunk of damage all around you. Um, I would do the Titan like final ability which does like a big sweeping earth attack because it hits a lot of enemies and usually by then I just have to wipe out some stragglers like, and that's it. For a boss I do the the Odin Zansets cutson I can't pronounce it right um basically it's inherent ability I would do the the judgment bolt from Rama because it's a big single target damage and I just do that every single time um you get so much gill even in the base game already and but even in the um even in the uh hard mode where before any hunt before any boss fight you can just cap out on potions very very cheaply to to buy eight potions and five high potions and four straight tonics is like Seven thousand gill and you end up with like wow. half a million Oof. and so like what what that means is if you're like if you're a big action game aficionado and the game actually has a system for this um I forget if you have to do it in hard mode or not, but like you can earn marks or some sort of item for defeating a boss with no damage, and I believe you have, you actually have to do that for one trophy um. So like there are marks for defeating late game bosses without taking damage. So like people who like really want to like practice their technique um and get, you know there's a high skill ceiling in Final Fantasy 16, no doubt about that. But it's just not necessary to reach it because I, me being smooth-brained, poor action game player, can just be like, I've got 13 potions on hand. I can just be very, very sloppy. I can just put on the um the the semi-prime mode, whatever where you hit both sticks, which kind of gives you like the um the 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 poise or whatever yeah the hp recovery and the poise you don't get you don't get um hit stunned and i'll just be like i will kill this boss before he kills me because i have a shit ton of potions that are basically (laughs) free to to replenish whenever i want so the game just affords you to be sloppy and you could just say well brian that's your choice you can you can not do that I'm like yeah sure i can but i don't like i don't i don't get a, i don't derive that sort of inherent enjoyment out of the combat system maybe i should or could but i just haven't
1: um was it have you tried the alt was it ultra maniac uh, arcade mode
0: um no i haven't done much of the arcade mode things but i did go to ah. the um i forget what it's called but the tablet that allows you to replay stages and also do the arcade mode so once you're in the final fantasy mode playthrough you can play through the stages on the final fantasy difficulty but also on the next tier up the you know new game plus plus ultimate difficulty so no i haven't dabbled in that and i'm sure all my sloppy technique that flies in final fantasy mode does not fly there i'm I'm sure i heard
1: will. that mode is like it's it's for those very players that find it challenging because apparently in the leaderboards there's like barely 100 people made it to the leaderboards in those things because oh, wow. it's like super hard because it's like was it you had to do everything like perfect or else <laughs> they just fuck up the run
0: yeah, maybe so maybe I wish that new game plus mode, like you know, Final Fantasy um seven remake, one thing that was so compelling about it, it was frustrating, but in a good way, was that of you know the item use limitation. Like you had to be like super careful with how you spent your MP and uh how you had like this attrition where you couldn't just spam high potions all the way through. But in Final Fantasy 16. New game plus mode. You still have access to all your same potions. They've been, uh, if you do the side quests to improve their potency, that carries through, and that can kind of like is a crutch to lean on easily. Um, So, I almost kind of feel like that was taken away from me because I don't have like the wherewithal to just to withhold it myself. If I'm able to use five high potions per battle, I'm going to do it like if I yeah, need just, to.
3: Yeah, who cares? Just fucking use it, you know? Yeah, but, okay. but if the game said, you do not
0: get these, like, oh, I guess I gotta, now I gotta figure out how to make do, like, I, I've got a hand tied behind my back, how do I... and that's what Final Fantasy VII Remake did, and I appreciated it for it. So, uh, a little bit underwhelmed with Final Fantasy mode, but it's, like, I'm I'm compelled enough to see it through to the end, even though maybe I'm just dumb, and the, the platinum trophy is calling out to me. <laughs> I will say, though, that as I've replayed through some of the cutscenes again i'm I'm, like i'm skipping a few of the cutscenes as i go through because it's my second playthrough of course but some of them i'm rewatching, um and there are like this game does have some high highs that when you're early on in the game so this is an early game sequence this is like within the first third an early game sequence where clive is fighting basically a manifestation of himself it's ifrit but marked as like the infernal icon or whatever. It's basically where he admits and realizes and commits his resolve that he is Ifrit, the dominant of fire, et cetera. Um, And all the icons have their own unique battle theme. And I think the one that is the most memorable by far on the soundtrack is uh, Ifrit. It's called like Find the Flame or Fight the Flame. Um, And uh, Clive very, almost nonchalantly, Says, like, I understand now. I realize what you are. You are not Efried I am. And then, like, that's when you, like, that's when you first get full access to it. And it's one of those things where I was, like, pump my fist. I was like, this is a bit silly. This is a bit schlocky. But hell, yeah, I'm enjoying this. Like, go, Clive. Fuck him up. <laughs> things like that. Uh, so, like, those moments, like, really did, like, even on a repeat playthrough, uh, the spectacle is fun to watch. Um, I was, like, rooting for the protagonist at that point, which is always a good thing to to be doing. Um, I will say that on a repeat playthrough, some of the icon fights, like Titan and um uh, one of the later ones, uh are they're like 30-minute long cutscenes, and the spectacle is still fun, but they did drag but out yeah, a little bit.
1: I think the Titan lost fight dragged out because it's like it takes forever to let you like hit them, sort yeah. of thing. Yeah.
2: yeah, as cool as the boss fights were. That was one of those things I was kind of worried about coming out of the preview, where it's like, man, this is really neat in the spectacle, but it kind of gets in the way of the gameplay. And even when I enjoyed like the Titan fight and the Bahamut fight in like the full game, that was never really
3: alleviated. I, I think the only life. the only fights I enjoyed were like the Hugo fights, not the Titan loss, but the actual Hugo fight and the Barnabas fight.
0: Mm-hmm. And-
1: yeah, I, I, think, I, I think those are like the best boss fights in like hand-to-hand combat or not like hand-to-hand, but you know, you know what I mean? Like a human form.
3: Yeah, combat, right? the, the human form like bosses are way more compelling than the cutscene icon fights. Which well, is, I forget, so I forget so if it was one of those things like I sort of expected like as the game was coming. Out, it's like, oh, yeah, it's it turned out exactly what I thought it'd be. All right.
0: I forget if it was Cullen or someone else during that podcast basically said like the spectacle is fun to witness the first time. It really is, um, at least in my opinion. But like you was saying, maybe on Final Fantasy mode, they like they like shortcut you through the icon fights or whatever, or just make it a cutscene, because once you've experienced it once, there's really not enough gameplay there to make it meaningful a second time. But nope, you just do it the second time, which is like, all right, I did it once before I can do it again. Not a not a big deal, but it's it's not compelling. Like fighting Titan is not interesting. It's it's fun, but it's not interesting. Um, I will say that a, a, Adam Adam was actually watching me do a hard mode fight against one of the not super late game bosses. Maybe sixty percent of the way through, uh, you fight Barnabas's like side person. Um,
3: oh yeah,
0: yeah. And in the, in the in the initial playthrough of the game, I barely remembered his fight because I just like blew through it. Um, and then in the hard mode, it was actually fairly challenging. And not only that, like even with my crappy just spam high potions uh technique uh but not only that but the the checkpoint the checkpointing in that fight is actually not generous a lot of the checkpointing is super generous like you'll get a boss down to like 10 percent hp left and then you get sloppy and let him kill you or whatever and then you just spawn and he's got a quarter of his health left and you got your potions back or whatever you don't get them all back in hard mode but you get enough back like all right i can just plow through this um but in that fight You have to take them down from like two thirds health all the way to nothing with two potions only. Uh, That's your checkpoint. I'm like, all right, this is actually a bit of a challenge. This is the first time in hard mode that actually like felt like, all right, I got to get good, Brian. Can't just be sloppy now. So uh, so it turns out I got good at least for a moment and was able to win. So that I I wish the hard mode was more like that. Like I wish the hard mode was harder. But that's not. I guess that's not a new. observation for final fantasy 16 so i'm not going to say that that's like some enlightening thing but and i guess like if you want the if i want hard mode to be harder brian go into that go go do that ultimate challenge arcade stuff <laughs> like all right maybe i'll maybe i'll poke at it later uh, i just feel like a, the
1: integrity of the game has been diminished by trying to add to me accessibility options i'm not i'm not sure if i offend people by saying something like that but i feel like
3: well what you do know, you mean it, by that like i, I want to hear like i know that like uh, what, what what do you mean by that
1: it's like, you know, like it's like the game didn't need to be made that way. I feel like they should have just made it like, well,
2: it's it's all optional and it's literally just accessories. The game I wasn't know. designed that way, it oh, was just yeah. they made R- those on top of it.
3: For yeah, what it's but, worth, you know, I have like... not
2: equipped any of those timely accessories.
3: I want to hear like, like, uh, let l- 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 child like finish his thought. <laughs> yeah, like even
1: like in the main game, it's like it's so easy to a point. It's like they want like everyone to beat this game, it has like no challenge, even the S right. Like, the S-Rank Hunt Challenge doesn't even pose a challenge. Like, you could, like, go in there and you could kill Sorog in your, like, first try.
3: I mean, the part, is, that, is that really the fault of, like, having accessibility options, though? Even without or, accessibility? As, is that more integral game design?
1: I think it's just, like, yeah. the game design. It's like, okay, then you why, know, like... Then, then why but, would you... Well, I say, like, the at the same time, but at the same time, you have the accessibility option. is like they pose zero challenge at all. It's like they want to make sure everyone can clear this game, and now the integrity of the game has been compromised. That's how I, I, I of... see it.
2: Hmm. Is That's it a... really the integrity of the game if this was their vision for the project? Uh, well, maybe. I don't know. Like, I don't know. I, I see it this mm-hmm. way, but maybe, I, maybe it, once it helps. comes to
0: PC, like, it, like, I think Final Fantasy 12 did this. Once Final Fantasy 16 comes to PC and Xbox in a far off land. Uh, you'll be able to difficulty select from the beginning. Like you'll just be able to do hard mode. That'd on. be cool. I would. I would First like start. to just do Final Fantasy
3: mode off the off the bat. Um, next time I like play the uh, Like the I'm game. like I I'm, want... I'm I'm but thinking I Final. I ways... I, Go ahead. I, I don't want to play. Yeah, I don't want to play like the game uh, again on the normal difficulty to to get access. And I don't know if I'm I'm willing to boot it up again on PS5. To be honest, maybe I will, but I don't. know. I just don't. Yeah. Uh, so... I don't. So I don't like try it. to. Uh, it's I mean, it you really can always don't. boot
1: it up again. I mean, there is the option to turn off your motion blur now.
3: <laughs> yeah. I know, but, it, but but that doesn't really <laughs> fix the performance.
1: Uh, <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, you always hated motion blurs in your
0: game. I,
3: th- I I always turn off. I I turn off depth of field and motion blur if they have toggles immediately.
0: I I will say that, like for motion blur, I think sometimes some subtly subtly applied motion blur can look good. For how it's implemented in Final Fantasy 16 is like zero to five. Um, So I think setting it at one is okay for me, giving it a little bit of a blur when you move, but this what it was defaulting to is just way too much. Uh, but yeah, so I don't want to say like, it, the Final Fantasy mode hasn't really changed my opinion of 16. It was just one of those things where like, I was really excited, like, man, this could be really, really fun and neat. And it's like, it's kind of fun and neat, but it didn't really shake things up as much as I was hoping it might. But it is always kind of fun just to replay it with the, um. I've enjoyed more just replaying it with the, uh, with all the powers from the get-go. Uh, including like the powers that you unlock as Efreet, being able to do like the flame spit in the initial Efreet battle is kind of interesting, kind of breaks it. So that's always kind of fun, little power fantasy thing. But that's kind of independent of the Final Fantasy mode changes.
1: So yeah, for the icon fights in Final Fantasy mode, there'll be no changes, right? But or uh, it, you get to use your abilities from the get go, and that makes you, the you can use a, a little you
0: can different. use a couple abilities from the get go and makes them a little bit different. Um, I. I have, I feel like they hit harder, like, in when you're doing the icon fights, depending on the fight, you get, like, uh, a, a slate of healing items. They're they're not called potions, they're called something else, and I, I, I had something. I had to use a few more of those during the fight, so I guess I'm not perfect. I'm not able to zero potion the, the icon fight, so I did have to use a couple more of those, but it's, they're not, they don't feel too different. They might hit, like, the bosses might hit a little bit harder, but that's kind of it.
3: I wonder what, what, like, what sort of PC mods are going to come out in the PC release in 20xx <laughs> like, look,
1: i am more curious about the dlc okay it's gonna yeah, be a girl and she's gonna destroy everybody
3: will <laughs> it have dlc
0: well there's there's a very clear part of the game where there's a very natural dlc potential tease there mm-hmm. i forget if it's been explicitly stated but it's like if there's dlc it probably relates to that i don't
3: know i kind of just thought i, I kind of just like Okay, no, just no, let it no, be done. I kind of, I of just like a game not having DLC. It's kind of, kind of, kind of like God of War Ragnarok. It's kind of like, dude, like, yeah, the game's out. There you go. I mean, like, cool.
1: <laughs> I think most mainline FF games are like that. I mean, there's still no DLCs for FF Seven unless you count uh, Integrate with. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's technically a
3: DLC. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, Sorry.
1: But, you know, this sold uh extra port with with it included. So does that count? I don't know.
3: <laughs> yeah. Um, that, that's uh, I got that as a DLC. If you're saying like,
1: but like um, if you buy it separately, you know, it's like, you know, they don't.
3: I mean, but you can get you can say that about any game that's like Game of the Year editions, right? It's like, oh, this didn't have DLC because it already have all the DLC bundled into it, <laughs> so I didn't have to get anything extra, you know. Okay, that, that's, that, that's that's the that's the similar logic you're operating on.
1: But I don't know. I I feel like FF16 is almost perfect if if some elements was kind of like more I don't, I don't know
3: I, I, for me I don't know if like uh, it's, it's not it's not obviously it's not perfect for me I don't know like if there's like things I would change about it that would like make it for I kind of like I'm okay with it just sitting it you know the game as is it's flawed but it's you know I had quite fun with it but it's okay but it's okay for a game to be flawed too
0: and the last game that we have slated here to talk about will kind of tie in naturally to a um A very kind of big news announcement from the last week. So, and this is something that I am not well versed in. So I will have to lean on. I think Chow, James, or Josh can all equally speak to this. But I'll I'll go with Chow because he put the game here. You've been playing a game called Tsukahime. And I have heard this name a few times, specifically when talking about Melty Blood in the past. But I am not well versed in what Tsukahime is. So you've been playing a game called Tsukahime, A Piece of Blue Glass. Just kind of tee me up. What is this?
1: This is a remake of Sukihime. uh if anyone's familiar with this series uh this is like i think it's the first Type moon uh visual novel that was sold commercially in in comic yet is it is that right josh
3: that sounds right yeah okay this was, this was like back in oh god um 2001 i want to say
1: yeah, it kind of became a collector's item in this field because uh, I think if you go to like Japanese pawn shops, they'll have like little poster ads saying they'll pay you like two thousand dollars to buy the copy. That's from the pawn shop itself or some shit like that. But, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, it kind of become like a collector's item because people will, like after they read the story, they'll be like, "Holy shit, this story is fucking amazing!" And then later on, it kind of like. I...
3: Yeah, it's it's important context, to contextualize like the, the era this came out in, like, you know, like like uh early aughts, like you know, at the turn of the century, like the state of like, you know, there were still like big visual novels. Like if you consider like Tokimemi, uh, Memo Memorial or Tokimeki Memorial, like in the in that field, you know, you kinda had that sort of like rom-com style um visual novels. They uh, they were all kind of like they not to say that they were all like Samey, but they were all very standard type stories, kind of like more down to earth, sort of like daily life stories, right? They'll be dating sims,
1: but this is like a battle, you know, horror, you know, stuff like that in there, which is a totally different kind of theme from from the standard visual novels you play. I mean, I'm also a Tokimeki Memorial expert. You can ask me about that too if we ever get the chance. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Being some expert.
3: Yeah, like, like like I'm thinking like I'm thinking like one of like the one of the bigger turn of the century visual novels. Like I think it was just like in 2000. I think Never Seven came out in 2000, and that was like a big one back then too. But it wasn't it wasn't like battle focused. It wasn't like very action focused, you know. But it, it was still a very interesting visual narrative, um, you know. And that when that came out in Japan, so yeah, Tsukihime was when that like no one really knew what to expect you know because no one really knew of type moon back then and they kind of they kind of tee it up like the, so is almost, uh, uh, almost like a shonen almost like a shonen
0: so from my from my distant perspective when i hear sukahime and type moon my thing is like this is either their first game or either or was their breakout game you right? you think either of those statements are true
3: I think it was their first and sort of breakout as I don't know uh, I don't know I don't I don't know if I'd say breakout is like the right term 'cause like it's still like I don't know what the um what the stats were of like what was uh commercially successful in that era. I'll admit yeah, like what yeah. what does breakout mean relatively? It's yeah. kinda of like
1: it's kinda of hard to say like success either because you know, the offer only I prints mean, a certain amount of copy and he only sells whatever is at comic and they're always always sold out. It's like you know, we only print so much, so
3: yeah. It's kinda of like i mean it's a success in the form of like hey it it continued with uh with like a fan disc later on or the plus disc then you had uh the sequel skagetsu toya which also also came out in 2001 so i mean if you're judging by like it did well enough to continue going on then yes it was a successful game Mm. uh in in terms of terms of numbers i don't know but that that's getting besides the point it's like it's both type moon's first like commercially like you know so commercially sold is like a weird thing because once again it's like a, a comic cat so like it's not like to the broader public it's like whoever attended comic cat but what does what, was... what, what does comic cat mean sorry it's I, like I
1: it's like a anime expo but they it's like uh offers that brings their own work it's usually like a dojin, you know to sell in that place so most people usually just go there you know it happens yeah. like every two months or something it, is it? every two months
3: no it's like it's like, it's like every four not it's like it's like, doesn't it happen like two times a year
1: okay two times a year then yeah, i think there's yeah. a one in august coming but it's it's like the summer biggest adventure yeah winter. summer and winter
3: yeah yeah so, it's yeah, like so, the biggest
1: event coming in. yeah so
3: it's that's for comic market and it's uh, like you know it's like it's basically a whole like like uh, chao said it's basically what you would expect from an anime expo but amplified like it's it's also like one of the one, one of the biggest places like where cosplay meetups in japan Gatherings, fan gatherings. One of the biggest things about it is like um, independent authors, illustrators. Basically, it's basically a, like an open market for people to sell what they have. Obviously, that they apply apply for like space there, but that it's basically a, a grand haven for like independent creators to uh, publicly sell uh, what they're cooking up legally uh, in Japan. Like, um, whether, 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 it games, whether, it, whether it be games, whether it be or manga whether it be like uh, fan art um and it, so it'll things. be there
0: so it sounds like a supercharged artist alley of like a western convention almost yeah yes
1: almost um i think last year there was like this really funny event where like i think the offer of bochi i think she had a pa- panel there and they were worried that she would clog up all of it so they like had to hide her in the corner or something like that i don't know yeah, yeah, yeah. There's,
3: all, there's all sorts of stories yeah it's it's it, it's always a new thing every year. It, it's always it's always fun. And it's always crazy. Like a, like a, like a, a ritual that um, what do you call this? Uh, a, a ritual that uh, my friends and I do v- about Comic Con uh, is like we'll watch like the the game creator trailers that come out of Comic Con. Like usually when a Comic cat happens, there's usually like a reel of like in, indie games being showcased at the Comic Cat and my friends and I like to watch these reels. Um, that that are uh, that's happening there because like, you'll see a lot of like very niche independent Japanese games that they don't they don't showcase anywhere else. You know, like one of the earliest showings of Libra was there. Um, a lot of like that's um, another game. I, I'm trying to think. It was just Ascalibra was like the, like it was an easy example. There's other uh, other um, examples down the line. there's a like stuff made Pokemon. by uh, Ladybug. Maybe
1: like yeah. um, Kono Super, the video game. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. No stuff yes. like that
1: but anyways uh, we're probably getting a little too off topic with comic code. no no so... i think
0: i think this context is good like i'm it's i'm glad you guys are going <laughs> but, into do it
1: but anyways I, i'm just gonna say like i am playing the remake i'm not playing the original game a piece of blue glass is a remake of tsukihime so um how this remake adaptation goes it's it only remakes two of the routes out of the five possible routes from the original games um, I know people would be like, oh, you're only remaking half the games, and like, you know, FF7 Remake, but you know the original games has been expanded so much to a point that I, I see it's kind of fair that they divide it as two games, which is, you know, the other game's not we have no idea when the second game's coming out that covers the other three routes, so...
3: Yeah, like, people get thrown off when they then when people say there's, like, the first part of the Tsukihime remake, because when Tsukihime first came out, it was like uh, people kind of... It, it also had that divide uh, in the community where like, there's there the routes called the near side, which are the first, like... The, the two routes are the main two uh, protagonists, uh, Arcuid and Seal. And then you had the far side, which had uh, Hisui, Kohaku, um, Akiha, and that's it. Um, yeah,
1: apparently they're adding one more route for that, apparently.
3: That's why. I yeah, well, we'll see. Who knows? They keep but, teasing uh, it. But yeah, it's they kinda, keep teasing it. It's kind but, of um... a B community. But but uh, but but like like what you said, like with the remake, the the reason they they uh, divided it up like this, only adapting the near side content, is because the length of our, the RQ and Seal routes is like uh, like as you said, it's like has been really really greatly expanded, and like the amount of like there's a lot, there's a much more greater in depth uh, explanation of like things that are going on uh, in the game, and also a- added a lot of like new elements. Uh, in the remake as well so like new characters uh new plot developments seal's route is pretty much like brand new because because of, because of, of how because there was a lot of like complaints of how seals route went in the original like they kind of took it in a new direction that was like it was a lot more uh it made it for a more interesting experience and uh, and arguably more faithful to the character and the spirit of like that route
1: um let's go with like some of the premise of the storyline first too yeah so we'll, we'll start with what what really happens in this game so at the beginning of the game you have this main character who gets into this accident and then he just wakes up and he starts to see like these like blood red lines all over the world and and for some reason he just like these lines he could see it perfectly and he could just probably dig his fingernail to it and draw the line of where he sees it it will destroy that object completely it will kill it break it it could be anything and this is giving him like tremendous headaches and he just couldn't really deal with it anymore and then uh, he meets the main character of Witch on the Holy Night uh she's here this is like 20 years later or something like that this is like way more far in the future from where Witch on the Holy Night like comes off but anyway he meets the main character from there alcol and she gives him a pair of glasses that will prevent him to see these lines so he doesn't get these headaches anymore and then we fast forward to the modern era so here's like already we have some changes from the original novel i mean the novel's now changed to adapt to the to the modern times these guys have twitter now Unlike the original one, they have smartphones, you know. Like the stories have been reworked to for the modern era, I guess you could say. So maybe, maybe not everything lines up with the original as much.
0: So I have to ask though, like, so I, I was, I have been been made generally aware of which of the Holy Night, as we've covered it on this podcast. I did not realize they shared at least a character because that would have come out after Sukahime, right?
3: Yes. Oh, but, yeah, but like the.
2: It was, the first, the, it Nasser, it was yeah. the first thing that Natsu the
3: first thing that wrote. Yeah, but it was never it was never like the original draft of like which and the Holy Knight was never publicly sold uh, and made yeah. available. He, he passed it around to friends, but um, it was never publicly sold. So if you really want to go back to the, the chronology, like the 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 original draft of which of the Holy Knight uh, was We're first. Like, game, right? Okay, yeah, yeah, that makes yeah, sense.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
3: All right, continue.
1: <laughs> so from here on, it, we'll talk about his daily school life. And from here, you can already like notice like all the difference from the original already. There will be a new character that's introduced. Um, her name is Noelle. And if you play the fighting game, it already spoils her identity. The, the Melty Blood fighting game, you know, the remake, Lumina. Mm-hmm. It's like you already know that she is, you know, whatever group that she's part of, right? So if you play the video game, the fighting game first, and you come to here, it's like, oh, Spoilers. It's like that's who she is, you know. This teacher that comes in, and a lot, lot of changes like already there, you know. Um, but I think one of the biggest changes in the remake is now that there is full voice acting because the original is a very low budget novel, so obviously there's no voice acting. And if there was, it would be in the fighting game where the character or the voice actors are playing like a few lines and and the. So it's really hard to get like a full judge of their characters. So. From here, it's like it's fully voiced. Uh, obviously, they have different uh, voice casts from the original, so maybe some people aren't happy about that. But the remake uh, uses mostly like the Witch from Mercury cast. If you think about it, the main character's loser friend. There's always a loser friend in every every single Type Moon project. I don't know why the main always has one of those. Uh, but he's was uh, it? He's a uh, Shaddock from Gundam, and. Uh even like the main villain is Ghoul. <laughs> so we have all the Gundam cast in this uh visual novel. Uh even like uh a character that you'll meet later on.
3: Yeah, I mean he so he saw he's voiced by Kanai ichinose
1: Yeah. So yeah, it's nothing but like the Gundam cast here. Um but anyways, um what is it? Uh the story kinda of goes on kinda of normal, like daily school daily school life. Main character has a cool senpai, which is a seal. Uh, obviously we don't know much about her yet until you play the game later. But how the story goes is that, for some reason he meets upon a girl named Ar- Artsiev. Um, for some reason it triggers like a blood, lap, blood lesson to, her, to him after meeting her, and it causes him to go all the way to her apartment and fucking slice her up and kill her. And
3: there, there's, there's, there's like not really a story because it's kind of like, it's kinda like the setup for the game it it is shocking when you see it
1: yeah i think that's how the original game starts out you start with this but now there's a build-up from the school life before it gets to this point is that how it goes i
3: I think yeah like it it was much like uh, this game kind of adds it out a bit more but like in the original it it became it came about pretty quickly
1: but so anyways maker goes to to her apartment and slices her up like two bits and it's a very bloody scene okay
3: a very it's a very graphic game like it's really not for the faint of heart like this was rated like zero z in japan yeah i don't even know how they got
1: away without sensors in the japanese (laughs) version because that that would that would put the sensor boards in there but anyways he sliced her up to bits and then he went walk home and he's like "Mm, did it it's like was that murder was that a dream i I don't recall anyways goes to school next day and that girl that he sliced up is this right there in the school parking lot. And she basically kind of, like, blacksmails him into, like, saying, hey, you know, you just cut me up. Uh, thanks to you. I don't know what kind of killing you did to me, but it's, like, it fucked my body up really bad trying to regenerate myself. She, so I...
2: She literally... She literally... There, there's, like, even a spray for it. She's literally holding herself together with duct tape. <laughs>
1: Ow. But, yeah, yeah basically, uh, she is basically uh, the avatar of or, well, maybe that's a little bit too spoiler, but uh, but anyway, she's basically saying that she's a vampire. Uh, a good vampire. But, because the main character sliced her up so bad, because you could see those lines, it kind of, like, caused her to, like, unable to regenerate normally, so she basically lost, like, 90% of her power, so she's not in her complete state, and she needs time to recovery. But the reason why she comes to, um, was is it? Is it? I, I forgot what town they're living in, but uh, she basically comes all the way to Japan because she's trying to hunt down this evil vampire that's doing several murders in town, and because the main character you know, destroyed her body, and that she doesn't have her full powers, she needs the help of the main character to to help hunt down this vampire. And that's basically the concept of this story. Um, I think from here, it's like, depending on how it goes, um, you had to beat the game once with Arkuid before you could unlock seals route, and it kind of like diverges somewhere during this vampire hunt if if I recall like, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, I, sorry go ahead
3: no go for it I was going to say that.
1: I was going to say like um, since half the game is missing um, there's certain elements that feels kind of like unexplained
3: it's because... not really missing
1: well <laughs> <laughs> you know what, I'm, what I mean right? really like, there's certain parts of the game it's like because you don't have the other free routes so it feels like it's a plot hole if you're a newcomer in my opinion because there's, like, one part, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, character mm-hmm. says, I shouldn't piss off my sister. Maybe I should go apologize to her. And and you decide to not to apologize to her. You just die in school for no reason. You just have a heart attack. It's like, what, what's the plot hole? It's like, that sounds like a plot hole, right? <laughs> because <laughs> why would you have a heart attack go, all of a sudden you go to okay. school because you apologize to your sister, right?
3: Okay. Okay.
1: Like... Obviously uh, if you play the I'll, original. I'll
3: tell you I'll tell you.
1: Yeah. I know, but I'm saying if you play the original, it's like, yeah, there's there's context for that. But now if you play the remake because you don't have the other free routes, it's like, why do I have a heart attack in the school because like, I didn't apologize to my
2: sister? Have
0: right? they have they explicitly said that the remake will have a second part that covers the other routes, or yes. is that kind of speculative? Yes. Okay. Yeah. No,
2: it's not a speculation. It's literally like uh after what? you complete this uh remake, it just ha straight up has like a teaser for the next part.
3: Yeah, it even has a, a title already. So I mean, it's it's yeah, it's guaranteed Thanks, that it's me. the worst. Okay, who, yeah. who, who knows when? It, who knows when it's gonna come out? But um, uh, theoretically, it's before I die. I guess. <laughs>
1: Yeah, if the offer is not getting stuck doing fake grand order, it might have been out already. But it, without fake grand order, you, you, know,
3: you know what pays the bills? Fake <laughs> go. you know, go. The, yeah, you know you what know doesn't what, pay the bills? What, it's the Suki remake.
2: You know what? You know what? I I have confidence it won't take that much longer because most of the assets theoretically are already done.
0: I mean, that that was the same argument we had with uh, Tears of the Kingdom, and that didn't work out. <laughs> Very, very yeah, good. I mean,
3: came out in a timely manner. So, let, let, me, let me put you like in perspective. Like this, they teased remake like what nine years ago, maybe ten. Okay. It, it, right. it, yeah, and then it, it it but after their first teaser, we never fucking heard from this remake again, and it became a fucking meme to fucking uh, just mention it after after a certain amount of years, and then and then it popped out out of nowhere again. But it was like it was a very long wait for the remake um to even materialize
1: it, it was a meme in the in the fandom community i remember my friends like oh do we think we're gonna get final fantasy VII remake first or do we think we get Suki remake first it just became like a meme
3: yeah you know? it, it was it was the stuff of like it was a, like it became a myth a legend at a certain point. so i mean the, like you know maybe i I won't really get into it too much you know more because like that, that is like the setup for the game and i don't want to like spoil it for people but the long and short of it is like in a very stupid but honestly tight moon way for this game. This game was announced for English localization at the Fate Grand Order uh, Anime Expo 2023 panel um at the very end of it. So, the thing that happened with the live stream of this event was they went they, they went over like the 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 time allotted so much that like the anime expo staff, whatever, just thought that like, oh, there's the end of the panel, and just kind of pieced out when they were like, uh, like uh, like kind of signing off like the ja- like the Japanese guests and everything that they thought it was the end of the panel. So they just they just cut the lights of the panel, so no one actually knew this was announced uh, aside from people there attending and taking pictures of like the announcement like slide of it. And even then, it took a while for people to like really uh, like. To really get convinced because, like, it's like one of those almost impossible localizations that, like, people were like, Are they just fucking with us? Are they, like, are people, like, are, are people being serious? Like, people didn't actually know for a good while whether, like, this announcement was real or not if they weren't actually there at the panel. Um, so, you know, after like a day or so, the Anaplex USA Twitter finally, like, formally announced, like, its existence, like, yes, we're doing it. Uh, you know. So, so there was a
0: couple day gap where all we had was we know you all watched the stream. This wasn't shown on stream, but here's the photo I, I promised it was it was shown. Yeah, but pretty then the much. official but the official publisher was mum about it. So it's like what? Like was it announced?
3: Really pretty much. Like, uh, like, like 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 I had to like dig really deep into like some sources to be like, okay, well was that was this actually like there there? And like, yeah, I was there there, I'm like okay, I'm trusting you, but if it this is fake, I'm gonna kill you in Minecraft. So yeah, uh, sort of deal.
0: So that so that ties into uh, one of our headlines for this week, and that is that the Sukaheima remake has been officially announced for an English localization for uh, 2024. So yeah, Chao, of course, is playing the. Uh, Twitch. Yeah, Chao of course, is playing the Japanese release, which explains what you've yeah. just heard.
3: Yeah, so I, I mean, it's it's really it, it's 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 really awesome. You know, it's really uh, great that like we're finally here where they're getting like somewhat regular releases localizations of like recent type moon visual novels um which on the holy night you know um i think i think they released like sales figures of which on the holy night like uh they're, they're now they've topped like 150,000, which is pretty decent for like a like a like a, a visual like a like a modern visual novel because modern visual novels don't really sell that high uh for bad you know which sucks but it is what it is that that's kind of the market
1: um, uh, 150k is still a great number yeah it's still I, a great
3: number nonetheless i
1: mean there's a company that i follow that sells visual novels and they could barely make like 5k so <laughs> 150k is like a total different level
3: yeah yeah and then he made like did like i think at least 300k in japan so it was like it was like all re- and and now like celebrated that's like on a whole other level i think i don't know if it reached 500k maybe it did
1: like, but, like i i i I think for a series to be like really profitable, it's more like from cross media products like the movie that they have in in store for the, um, the Witch on the Holy Night that they're going to make with yeah. beautiful table, you know stuff like that. So yeah. So I have to so, ask
0: one more like dumb question as an outsider. Yes. So why was this announced at the Fate Grand Order event? Like, how are those two properties tied? I Moon. So, okay, okay, so so Type Moon did the Fate novels, which is which which is the, saw, which is the mobile so, game, here, which also did Sukehime. Yeah, which also does Holy Night.
3: Yeah, so here's basically the, the the, the how the economy of things are. Okay, the localization of Witch on the Holy Night and the Tsukihime remake would not be possible without the financial success of the Fate Grand Order mobile game. That's the truth of it. The ones funding it, Aniplex, are, are the are the ones who are also running the game, Fate Grand Order. So like the success, the financial success, the monetary success. Of fake grand uh, fake grand order's global version is pretty much funding the rem- uh It's pretty much funding these localizations because, like, Tight Moon, like, if there's one way to speak to a company, you speak to them with money, and and Tight Moon sees the money that the that the fake grand order game is making, its global version is making. So they're like, oh shit, do we have a market there? Like, and then that's what that what compels them to like go out and like go out in this venture with the the team of the fake and order global um uh, version and be like, hey, is it possible to release our products over there? And you know, and and, and this is not just English alone. They like which on the holy night, they also localized it in Chinese as well. And of course, China, very, very big market for that. So that's what really compels them to to, to go on about this. So for better or worse, whether people wanna admit it or not, the healthy Financial success of Fate go is what's making these localization projects possible.
0: What do we call that? Tail wagging the dog. <laughs> I have no <laughs> idea what that's calling it. That's what I'm gonna call it. Yeah, but but people
3: benefit. But people benefit. Like everyone, everyone benefits from this, right? Because if you're a fan of like Type Moon visual novels, of course you should be happy. You have a like, you have a way to like, you know, support them you know, with the official release, you know. Yeah, uh, you I, didn't,
2: I didn't attend that panel because it was a Fate Go panel and I don't play Fate yep. Go. <laughs> yeah, yep. but I'm saying you can support them to make more visual novels by <laughs> buying that guarantee
1: SSR ticket in Fate
3: <laughs> <Jesus. laughs> You could do but that. Yeah, but, 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 but yeah, but yes, yeah, like the, 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 the main downside is you wanted to like, if you, if you were there at the panel to just see this announcement, you have to sit through like, what, almost like an hour and a half of Fate Go stuff to get to this announcement, too, like even then like I like to, to to kind of paint a picture of like how me and probably a good chunk of people in the community like th- this this localization of Sukihimremake was so far down on our list that like there were other projects that were more likely to be shown. We thought they were just gonna be like you' are going to show a new thing for fate samurai remnant after the panel, like they might announce something new there um that was probably the most likely, and then the second most likely was. Re-showing the Fate Extra uh, remake again, uh, and even then, if that wasn't it, what's the next most likely thing be after that? Maybe show like a new trailer for the Witch on the Holy Night movie. Uh, there, um, that probably was more more likely than this localization announcement. Like just to paint a picture, like the localization announcement of Suki remake in the West was like it was so far down, like my expectations. I'm sure I'm not alone in this. Like it's just one of those projects. It's like it just feels like. It was like impossible, you know. Well, to, from uh,
1: what I heard, is like even just like the two parts. I mean, like the remake, like mm-hmm. just from the two routes alone, they say it has more words than the Lord of the Rings trilogy combined. That's what they said. Yeah. That's what the fan base yeah, said. That's, so that's why yeah, it's like, it's, oh yeah, good luck translating that and hope for a profit. You know, it's like, yeah. <laughs> and
3: and, and, ho- and hopefully, and hopefully, they they kind of that hopefully, like you know. Assuming this is like sort of like a similar team to what they had in Witch on the Holy Night, hopefully they have like the pipeline in place to like kind of minimize the amount of typos in that because Witch on the Holy Night, you know, for being vir- by virtue kind of like the first one of these, like it did, it, it was kind of like a rough start. Like there is, there, it did launch a of typos. I don't know if they ever patched them or not, to be honest. Um, but it, it definitely did have its fair share of typos in it and sort of like weird, uh, weird English scripting, uh, like in the way that they translated some stuff and like. It wasn't like necessarily like absolutely detrimental to like the the core of the story, but you know it kind of sucks that it was there. And hopefully, you know they minimize those uh, when Tsukihime remake launches sometime next year in the West. And that'd be real, that'd be really cool to see more of these like projects be more of a regular thing. I would like that uh, a lot. And you know it's kind of a, it's a big learning process for all of us, right? Because it's something that's just. We we thought it was impossible. Now the impossible is happening, and we should try to make the most out of it. You know, I
1: feel like I'm pulling at Adam here. You know, as soon as you start playing a game and it's Japanese, or, and then it's like, oh, it's like here's the localization announcement. Now you can stop playing it. It's like, it's like tell us what what is some projects that you would play and just hope that there's a remake or a localization coming.
3: Yeah, a, a lot. Of Chaos Legion remake, uh, or remaster, huh?
1: Chaos that? Legion. oh, yeah. well, I
3: <laughs> <of> <laughs> uh, But I, I mean, it, it's also one of those things that's like, where we're so used to like, it's so weird for people to be like, "Wow, it took this long." It's like, dude, like simultaneous localization is like just a, has been like a new phenomenon Like, and people already feel spoiled by it. People like, I feel like that's all like for me it's like if like these localizations ever happened like that's like kind of like a blessing like hey it's it's co- it's cool that it's happening sure it's coming like you know later than expected but it's cool that it's ha- happening like eventually and like that's set in stone and then like a, a good chunk of like feedback is like oh why did it take three years you know and all that sort of stuff it's like do, do, you would you would you might you, you might have died like way back when but it took like how many years for like even like rpgs to come out you know like Five years after the fact.
2: Look, I joined a fan translation... Oh, like, when it used to be that bad. Yeah. I'm sorry, Trails fans. Actually, no, I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I'm saying, like, I
1: joined, like, a fan translation project, and I tried, like, doing it by myself. It's like, it's a lot of work, just for, like, a few, like, lines and shit. It's like, and to have, like, a whole scale project like that, it's, like, it's gonna take a lot of time, so people just need to know. It's like, try to be in their shoes for once.
0: So that was basically, I think, all of the conversation around the Sukahime remake, the announcement over at Anime Expo, and of course, um, Chao playing through the Japanese version. Uh, were you playing because it was announced for the West, or were you playing just independent of that?
1: I was so bored out of my mind. I ran out of stuff to do, so I just played that, because I was trying to get something to fill in before the Final Fantasy 16 comes in, and now that you know, now there's an English localization, I don't need to play the Japanese version.
3: Look, Chao, okay, it's to the that Chao and I were so grateful for the Sukihime remake localization announcement that I, for, I came up with, with, with this and then I fed it on to Chow and Chao and then like Chao and I were so grateful about the Tsukihime remake localization announcement. And like I I I kinda came up with this idea and I spread it to Chow, and because he's as broken as me, he like, oh that's a good idea. I I fucking reinstalled Fate Go. And I re-upped my account because I stopped all my account info after so many years because I I don't know why it's just I don't know why. So I I reinstalled that. And since they have their sixth, they have their they're celebrating their sixth anniversary of the global version. They have a guaranteed SSR uh, campaign going, but you can only do it with paid gotcha currency. So I reinstalled that. I paid money for the gotcha currency just enough to do that guaranteed SSR pool. And just because I divided, I just wanted to show a little support for like, and a thank you for them bringing Tsukihime remake to the West. That's like how grateful I am, and I just want. And I, and I know that's this is this is one way to show your support for that decision. And then when Chow heard that, he's like, "Oh yeah, I should do that." And sure enough, him and I here we are down $15 to fifteen dollars less.
1: No, it's twenty five dollars less for me. Fucking oh yeah, he's in creator,
3: yeah, that's right. So, yeah. <laughs> well
0: it's uh well, twenty-five Canadian
3: dollars is the same as fifteen. It's like nine cents in US. <laughs> yeah, something like that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's like damn you know I hate this game. I always tell people how much I hate it. Big brain others a game. It's like the most piece of shit game I ever played in my life. Okay. I know people will fucking kill me when they hear those words, but I mean I you're not Gabe. wrong.
3: But but look, but the, even then, we were you we were able to overcome that hatred in your heart for the game, just to say thank you in a small way. Yes,
1: that's how broken we
3: are. Oh.
0: So before we move on to any other like announcements from this week, which of which there's not too many, um, I just kind of wanted to wrap around with James about just like kind of the rest of ex- his experience with anime expo basically coming straight off maybe not straight off but not soon after like all the other late june events like summer games fest and all the other different publisher events you went to went right right straight into anime expo how was your time
2: james busy very <laughs> busy um so obviously got a couple of previews up of stuff i played at the show uh grand blue fantasy relink is a real video game
3: oh yeah Wild. yeah uh, How? what do you mean how real is it
2: I got to play the demo twice.
3: Are you sure you were playing a game or were you watching a movie that was simulating your movements?
2: No, nah, no, nah, it was definitely a game and it was a pretty good one, too. Like, oh, actually, yeah? Uh, yeah, I'm excited to see the full one, uh, full game whenever uh, they say it's coming this year. I'm not sure if I, I believe that yet, but I I could see it happening because at least what they had at AMA Expo felt polished enough. It felt like a finished video game. So. Okay,
3: I, I, you've written about it on the uh, uh, on the site, but I want to touch back with you. Like, just give us like kind of like what your initial impressions when you, like, how does it play? Who did you play with? Like, how what does the game feel like?
2: Uh, so it's very funny how they like we've known about this game for so long, and it took it it it, it took so long for me to realize that it's based. I, I called it like Monster Hunter. But realistically, the better like um, the better comparison point would be this is Wild Hearts. Well, more like Fantasy Star. (laughs) I was being silly. Yeah. Yeah. Though the combat, even like the way that each character has a very different like distinct moveset with a distinct play style does remind me more of like Monster Hunter. Um, But yeah, it's uh, it's. It, it was a lot of fun. I'm excited to play more. I do not. I am not a Grand Blue fan. So,
0: <laughs> did did they have it set up as like because it's four player, right? Um, multiplayer. Um, like, did they have?
2: Or they was it was all had single it, player. In it eye? was all single player, but the way that the booth was set up, you could. They didn't say as much, but you got the impression that their original plan was for it to be a co like co op sessions. Because they had like I believe twelve mm-hmm. units set up. But they were like sequestered into groups of four. So I would not be shocked if their original intention was it was going to be like co-op sessions of four people and they just weren't able to get it to work. That's unfortunate, but
3: Uh oh they couldn't get it to work, does that mean? I don't know. Is this, re- is this release really coming this year? <laughs> no,
2: no, no, no. It's, it, it could just be a convention thing. Like mm-hmm. I also tried the Samba Day De Amigo demo at Sega's booth, and that game. Oh, buddy, you do. N- that was not a good experience for that because the tracking on the right Joy-Con was just struggling, like absolutely struggling with all the uh, like interference going on on the uh, exhibit hall.
3: Someone uh, called me a moto.
2: But yeah. It's just one of those things. It happens when you have so many people in such a, like, tight, like, area with so much electronics. It just happens. It just happens. But yeah, Relink is uh, fun. Like, I guess to give an example of how different some of the characters can play, the two characters I tried were Siegfried and Catalina? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Catalina. Okay, okay. So the way that... Let's start with Siegfried. So he he's like timing-based in the sense that he has like a normal combo that you can then finish off with like, like a normal square combo that you can finish off with like triangle. But if you time your button inputs for square perfectly, he'll like he'll get like a red aura around him, which will increase the damage for that attack. And if you can chain those like perfect inputs... You'll get access to an additional super, super powerful finisher that just does a ton of damage. So it's like that's one thing he has that's pretty cool. Um there's uh, a whole gimmick where it's like every, every like uh, action RPG these days has a stagger, like stagger bar. Like it's just something people do and it works, it makes sense. Uh so there's a number of different like uh combat features that kind of tie into it like there's this thing where it's like when any of the players in a party or any of like the party members use an sba i think that's what uh what um yeah skybound art yeah an sba skybound art uh there's a chance to um link it to another one so if uh so like if if another party member uses a skybound art afterwards and then like you can chain up to four times for like a full burst. There's also another thing where uh there's link attacks where you can kind of, um, I, I, I didn't quite get the nuances of how you actually activate them, but you'll every so often you'll get a prompt where you can like do a link attack. And if you, every, party member has done a link attack like following up on someone's like um skill Mm -hmm. then it basically creates like a bayonetta style witch time where like enemies slow down but the party members stay at the same speed so for a certain amount of time you can kind of like get a buff in the sense that everyone everything else is slower Mm -hmm. so it you're dealing more
3: damage that way. Well, that's cool. So there's like there's actually like like co-op mechanics that like, yeah, you know, that like yeah. you, you're actually interacting with the people that, that you're playing if you're playing with other people.
1: Yeah, I'm yeah. curious on how how the co-op would play As I yeah. want to play this with friends.
3: Yeah, yeah I mean, like it's said, that, I, I, that it's like, the co-op that I don't like is like if you're like all playing together but you're not interacting with each other, it feels like you're just like your own separate like yeah you're just all doing your separate thing. I kind of like playing together with people and like if the if the mechanics allow it. Okay, I yeah, think you know, doing I,
1: the train burst thing would be pretty hard to do with like a co-op, right? I mean, it would be like trying to sync up all
2: your supers together. Trying just like the mobile game in a way. Good. Yeah, but yeah, it's it, it's a lot of fun. I guess to talk about the other character I play, Catalina, uh completely different. Uh basically she has her, like obviously she has her own like combos with finishers, but the way she works is that whenever you land a finisher with like triangle, it will build up her areas gauge. And when it maxes out uh, for I'm not sure if it's like a certain number of attacks or if it's a like time frame, her attacks will like be buffed, including her skybound art. So there's like a sort of metagaming aspect of it where it's like you kind of want to make sure that you uh, save your like maxing out your areas gauge until you can fully like capitalize on it. Mm hmm while also still like accounting for the fact that obviously you're going to do more damage if you do those finishers. So you don't just want to be spamming nothing but like uh, square combos um, the entire time. So it's like a bit of a resource management thing. That's just like two different characters with two entirely different like play styles for how you want to use them. There's uh, like reading some of the info, like before I actually got up to the demo station, I saw there was like a character where it's like a charge character. There's a zoner. there's one where it's like, you have to like reload things every so often it's it's interesting like every character is like like obviously it's all on the same framework for the game but the way that that they actually like, like i said it's like monster hunter where it's like it's the same game fundamentally but the way that you like tackle it is different depending on uh with um who you decide to use as your like main
0: in the demo, did was it like a limited selection of characters, or could you pick like from the dozen or so that have been announced? Uh,
2: there were I think you got to ch- except for fairy, you got to. Ch- I, well, I don't remember. I don't remember. There was a decent uh, no, selection. No there was like there was like at least like seven or eight. So yeah. Yeah, and
0: yeah, then uh, yeah. that that was the announcement from Anime Expo that they kept uh for. For this showcase, is that they did announce that Fairy is a playable character. And uh, let me see if I can figure out what that brings the total cast up to. It's a little over a dozen right now, um, officially announced. Is that a good uh, or but, bad thing? Uh, yeah, who, yeah, Ferry yeah Ferry who's Fairy? Is very is good or bad?
1: Uh, fairy is a very <laughs> popular character in the Grand Blue series. Uh, she's this ghost that you meet in this island that um, she basically worried that if she leaves the island, she would like, disappear. So this whole storyline is that like, uh, you're trying to get her to leave the island with you, and and then she finally comes to terms with that. And yeah, she's um you you basically find out she's one the person's grandmother <laughs> in the uh, storyline. Okay. <laughs> yeah, she's <laughs> no. a ghost, of, or not like grandmother, but uh uh grand aunt. Let's just say that she's somebody's aunt in the storyline, and you'll know who it, who it would be if you play it. It's pretty obvious who it is. Uh, but they never like, like she she never find out that you know that you know that character is his grand nephew though. So, but anyways, she's this ghost that I'm trying to come to terms with leaving that island and later. But yeah, she's very popular. Uh, she uses like go like uh her pets like her ghost pets to attack. Like uh, she has like a pet dog. Uh, and there's like a little little like bubbly kind of spirit, and there's a third one i forgot what the third one was but you know she has three pets and i'm sure if you play the fighting game were you a, a fairy player
3: hell no dude i hated fighting fairy though jesus christ
1: she kind of reminds me of doll but way more scumbier uh,
3: yeah okay <laughs> are you a fairy made in relink uh
1: how how would i be i haven't <laughs> even played the game i don't i mean
3: i don't know you might like to have a favorite character on the relink cast they're like i'm gonna main them
1: you know what they don't have the characters I want to play in real life. They don't have my angels, which is never gonna come.
3: Well, well, they said they, they had like a little mini Q and A, and one of the and one of the one of the one of the, one of the questions that they like sidestep answered was like the question was like, will the game be a complete experience or will it continue to get content updates like a live service game? And they're like, we're working hard to make the game a full package, excluding a story that wraps up nicely. We're plan they plan future support for players who want to get the most out of the game, including epic battles and all the surrounding content. So I don't know if that are going to introduce two characters or not. That's, or uh,
0: that, that sounds written by AI. I don't trust it.
1: <laughs> okay. So if there was the current roster, I would probably just use Narumaya. Nar- That's who I would use. right? Because she's always been like a favorite character of mine in Grand Blue. Uh-huh. But like certain characters that I really like in the story, they just don't kind of work gameplay wise. Because in the yeah. mobile game it's a turn-based you know you know they can just do whatever right i mean one of the strongest character you could use in grand blue he just sits on a chair
3: <laughs> dang dude That uh that me.
1: yeah and literally looked- they call that character man on chair
0: <laughs> it looks like according to the main website they're up to like 18 playable characters or so so i knew it was more than a dozen but quite a bit more
2: because so, a couple, of weeks, couple
0: weeks ago they announced uh Zeta and Vasaraga. A few weeks before that, they announced Armaya and then now
3: Fairy. So they didn't reveal a release date at the Anime Expo, but they said development is near completion and more info to come in August. So stay tuned. So I we'll will. hear about it again next month and see if. Okay, are they getting yeah, a dude. release date next month?
1: Hear me, side games. If you put Halio and Malio in this game, I will buy you ten copies and buy every staff member a copy of this game. Oh God! Okay, Jesus we're holding
3: you to that. We're holding you to that. Okay, we're actually like you ha- This is on public record, so you're. This like ten.
1: Gifts up. There's no way in hell they would put twins as a playable character.
3: All right, you say so, but famous last words. I know. Okay, Chow. Are they announcing a release date next month? Yes or no?
1: No. <laughs> no, okay this is a side game so always it's like hey we have more story chapters to include it's like oh sorry we couldn't make it last time there was just some technical difficulties
3: is this uh is the the more info in August, do they have like a summer grand blue thing happening next month
1: um i think it's happening somewhere within within this week i think or, okay oh, like, a, like, a,
3: like I, they're not. I thought they were like aligning it with like another Grand Blue event sort of deal.
1: There's definitely a summer stream. You had to buy tickets in advance, oh, and great. yeah, the tickets were already like sold around eight. Are
3: they are they live streaming this event?
1: Um, the summer one they usually yeah. do. I mean, a lot of people like to go to these events because you get like all kinds of cool merc. <laughs> you know, speaking of merchandises, did anybody? Okay, James, did they sell Dragalia loss? merchandise at Anime Expo.
2: So I didn't... I, I was too busy to go <laughs> looking for that shit.
3: Okay, <laughs> They're selling merch for a fucking uh, game they shut down, like, what, two years ago?
1: My friend was like, find me some you lost merchandise.
3: <laughs> you Damn. had your chance. You had your chance. They, 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 they... they that, that window was coming gone. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Now we never know. I, yeah, I so think anyways,
2: that's... uh mm-hmm. moving on from Grand Blue, I uh did also play uh, Fate Samurai Remnant. Okay, alright. I,
1: I looked at the game. Is it a musou?
2: Is it not a muso? What is it? Tell me. It's it's not a musou. Thank it's... god. Yeah. I mean you you t- you're telling okay. me you looked at the gameplay, but you were still wondering if it was a muso. Okay, Ciao, you okay, can look first look at the gameplay and tell it's not a muso. For,
3: for first, okay, let's define because different people have different definitions of what a muso is. To no, them. I,
1: I did not look at the trailer. I just looked at okay. the name Omega what, Force. What, what,
3: what, what is what is a muso to you, Chad? Because for some people, a muso to them is like the. The standard structure of a map of like one versus many soldiers and grabbing command outposts to eventually go beat the big bad of the stage. That is like probably by an outpost. That's that's, for some people. That's what a muso is for them. For some people, a muso is it's a third-person action game that has square, square, square action strings or attack strings into a a triangle combo ender, and that's what a muso is to them. So
1: I, 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 I treat it as both
3: so you cheated as both but if, if it's one or the other it's not a muso.
1: um let's see i would stick more closer to the fir- first one it's more like you're just a one-man army fighting a million of these soldiers that are like completely brainless and it just feels like it's a bunt and spamming all over the place
3: okay james is it a muso by uh, Chow's definition no okay What well, what is fate samurai remnant how does it play
2: it's an action RPG. It does have that thing where it's like the standard like Omega Force combat, where it's like square, 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 triangle for the most part. Okay. But it does have a thing where the main character, Yori, has access to eventually up to five separate gameplay styles. You can switch, switch between at basically any time. And then there's like a meter where you can switch to Saber, who then has like just... Like their own unique, like, uh, like combat style, and Honestly. then there's like all this, uh, these like special attacks. Like, one thing that's really cool is they're really like focusing on that like relationship between like master and servant. Like, uh-huh. one of the things in the demo that I saw, like, so basically, the way the demo worked is there was like it was a quest where you had to basically help. A money lender get hit um get his money back from basically deadbeats and uh for each of the three people that you um that you uh confront there's like a different thing that uh saber has to do to basically deal with it uh one of them is the the money itself was hidden up in a high up place but there's no ladder So what they do is they actually, like, boost you up into the air and you land on top of this, like, kind of tower to get it. And the game itself, at the same time as that happening, you unlocked this skill that you can use in combat that's basically, like, a combat skill that kind of mimics that, like, uh, that action that you did outside of combat. Sort of stuff like that, where it's, like, there's these moves where pretty much all the main skills are something that Saber does, but a lot of them are actually a combination of Saber and Yuri like, working together, which is fascinating. It's really, okay. like, it's really like, a combat system, in the game. like, the gameplay is really focused on that, like, partnership, if that makes sense.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because usually, like, how Fate depicts, like, these uh, relationships between Master and Servers, like, ma- Masters are usually at the back, and, like, as a supporting sort of, sort of role. And, like, the servants are usually, like, kind of, like, duking it out because they're all powerful and stuff. But oh, yeah. having, it, having it be more, like, an intimate, cooperative sort of style it gives it, a, like, a new flavor and new opportunities to, and like, kind of express that relationship.
2: Yeah, it's really neat because, like, obviously, like, Yori is no slouch. She is a very competent swordsman. But then when you get the bar field that lets you switch to saber it kind of like puts it in perspective where it's like yeah you're a badass but holy fucking shit
3: yeah so that then saber just fucking wipes everything is like yeah i'm yeah. fucking awesome
2: yeah, yeah. So I, I i really like the way that they handled that and again it was a very short demo it was about 15 minutes but i had a lot of fun with it uh one thing i especially appreciate that's not really a gameplay element well two things one I love the charcoal-like colored um, style that the portraits have. Mm. Like it's got like a bit of graininess to it, and I'm not sure if it comes across from like the streams or anything. But I don't think it
3: does. Like, uh, but uh, I'm willing to believe you on that. Yeah, it
2: looks great. Uh, There's a really neat thing we're in the town at least that the demo takes place and there's a lot of like cats and dogs and you can pet them and saber will pet them and there's like oh, yeah. a qte where it's like you just keep spamming the button and if you successfully do it you get healed
3: what the fuck that's awesome yeah finally yeah. They're, they're, they're making petting feel meaningful in a video game yeah
2: <laughs> and it even you could even feel the cats purr uh, through the uh, dual sets <laughs> oh, so anyway, that's, that's cool but yeah yeah It short demo had a lot of fun with it though it's really neat it's uh yeah, like Megaforce has been really releasing a lot of stuff lately. Like uh, they did Wild Hearts like obviously earlier in the year, and that's in a state now where I'd, where I'd say that it's worth picking up if you like Monster Hunter. So it's like it's it's really neat to see them like not just do stereo, like stereotypical like Musso games, seeing them do something that's a bit different. Even if this one is obviously more in line... It, it's it's almost like Persona Five Strikers in the sense that it's very clearly built on top of a vague Meso like um, framework, even if the game itself is very much something different. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah.
3: I've heard a lot of positive feedback on that demo that people have gotten, and like it's it's sounding more and more promising as like uh, as you know. It's it's great that they had a playable build there and just like ready to go and hope. I kind of hope they kind of just like release this demo publicly. I really want to get my hands on it. I'm I'm very excited. Uh, I think I think like at the at the end of the month they're gonna release they're gonna announce a new servant for that game too. As far like you know during an FGO event, so we'll have more news on that. You know in the next few weeks. So it's 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 look it looks cool. I'm I'm looking forward to it. looking forward to it.
0: Were there any other highlights from your time at Anime Expo, or just general impressions of the event itself?
2: Uh, well, I've I've got a few interviews that are going to be going up uh, sometime this weekend. Hopefully, sometime this weekend. One of them, uh, has to be looked. One of the stipulations is that they, the company involved, had to like look over the finished interview and then send it back, which is like, yeah, that's annoying, but. Well, it was an in-person interview, so I'm willing to deal with that. Mm-hmm. But um, the other one, I, there was no embargo for it, so I can just say it. I interviewed the uh, vice president of uh, CyberConnect2 again. Uh, it's been four years, and like since the first time I interviewed him at Anime Expo 2019. So, lots of ch- has changed, obviously. So that that should be up sometime this weekend.
3: Yeah, the, uh, one of the one of the last things you checked out at the Anime Expo was the CyberConnect Two panel. How was
2: that? It was it was neat. Uh, it's such a shame that it was on the last day. Like I don't think it would have been a full house regardless, but it was.
3: Yeah, it, was, it, great was, great it was pretty empty. Yeah, because that's like that's how it is for like last day of Anime Expo stuff. It's it's rough if you have last day because it this year it fell on a holiday. It fell on July Fourth. So by virtue, you know, a lot of people have other plans. Uh, so I I I know you live tweeted it from the Twitter account. They were like you know showcasing a lot of like Fugatu stuff like in development um, stories, I imagine, and you know
2: yeah and,
3: yeah and also and also like sort of like when we when we went to their panel years ago, they were like still recruiting like overseas like from from overseas audiences. Like hey, if you want to work here, you know, or if we're still looking.
0: Well, and obviously, yeah. once those features go up and those interviews go up, we'll make sure to give them their shout outs once they're available. But really cool that you got a chance to do that. And it sounds like you'll be playing a few other games in the coming weeks. So we'll look forward to those if we manage to get anything uh, from those uh, experiences as well. And then as going into the remaining headlines from the week, uh, most of these are pretty small. Uh, The one thing that the last kind of major piece of news here, of course, we've already discussed uh, through a few different weeks, first through a leak and then through the official announcement at the Xbox event back in early June, uh, Persona 3 Reload. So we talked about this in a few different contexts. The main Update this week is that Atlas has shared uh what they've titled their gameplay reveal trailer. Of course, we've seen footage of the game in its announcement trailer, which had initially leaked on its Instagram. Uh the main bit here that most people are latching onto for this gameplay reveal trailer is that it's the first um real like look in at the new English cast. There's a decent amount of voice work here to kind of uh take a listen to. And I have not played the original Persona 3, but I do know what some of the characters sound like because I'm familiar with the original voice cast. Uh, but it seems like my impression has been is that the Persona 3 Reload, a lot of people seem to be driving with the English cast uh, as they were presented in this trailer.
3: Yeah, I watched the I watched the panel when I was being live streamed, and the, the new English voice cast is fantastic. I think I think that they they have a lot of a lot of great people on it. on On the panel, they had Heather Gonzalez who voices Yukari Takeba. Uh, Alejandro Sav who voices Akihiko Aki Suzy Young who has, uh, voices Fuka Zeno Robinson does Junpei Alex Lee does the protagonist and Allegra Clark for Mitsuru and they all had them you know uh, on that panel talking about their time of the game how they like you know their their reactions and they got the offer because a lot of them like are big big Persona fans and have a lot of like you know are very passionate about Persona 3 and kind of trying to live up and like you know potentially surpass you know What's been done before kind of give their own unique take uh on the characters without necessarily like you know remaking them so so to speak, but kind of um living up to like, the spirit of their like uh character and performing some of the iconic lines like the like the fucking uh <laughs> a, a voice from the original which was you know they they performed uh it was great it was a great people around and I'm really. I, i'm really happy that like you know they have this new voice cast kind of breathing new life into these characters and giving it like their own their own interpretation of the character they all seem very very good
1: i think they all sound better i think the only downgrade might be um akihiko
3: because i think hard to live up to i, th- I think yeah I mean, that, I th-
1: that's basically the original is yeah. just too high of a bar to beat
3: yeah I, th- I think i think he's like he's like i'd have to hear more of it but like obviously like you know he's getting there for sure and i, th- I think i think he can He can definitely live up to it.
1: Everybody else sounds better. Uh, Even like, uh, was it Mitsuru? I know people love the original VA Terra Platt, but she couldn't do the French.
3: And Allegra's
1: got it down. Yes, so that's already upgrade.
0: And speaking of that, I did see something where there was some information, misinformation saying like, well, they couldn't recast Tara Platt because uh she doesn't work with Atlas anymore because they didn't accredit her one time. And then she went on her Twitter and said, No, I love working with Atlas, like don't believe everything you read on the internet, <laughs> sort of thing. Yeah. So uh sounds like they just wanted to have a different cast going a different direction, doesn't have you know, any judgment about the yeah. original cast. So yeah, definitely yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's cool, it's cool
3: it? that the remake is going this direction, it's like, hey, everything's brand new, let's go for it. And i that's I, I respect that a lot. You know, and they showed up like the artwork for like the like some of the remaining like the at the but uh at the announcement you only got to see the artwork for the protagonists, Yukari and Jutpei. Then they showed the official uh artwork re, remake artwork for Fuka, Akihiko, and Mitsuru. And they all look fantastic, you know. I mean, it's it's shaping up. It's shaping up.
1: Mm-hmm. Where's the switch port?
3: <laughs> uh doesn't exist. Maybe, maybe uh, in the far future. Are, but are people right
0: people still coping for that after? Yes, uh, absolutely. You ride, came and went.
3: You never. Yeah, there's stuff. I mean, I, I feel for them, but you know, it, there's other platforms you can get this on too. You, there's, and if you have a Steam Deck, play it on that too.
0: So we'll go into a, a bit of the little bit of the minor headlines here to kind of wrap things out. Um, one of the October releases that was announced in the big summer deluge of uh, of news was the new Marvelous RPG that was announced during the Nintendo Direct, uh, Silent Hope, uh, the Marvelous and. Uh, exceed have announced the or have showcased the anime opening for the game this is the rpg that takes place in like it's both the story of seasons and the rune factory universe i hope i have that right i think i misspoke before when i said it had a cow from the rune factory series it wasn't from the rune factory series It was from story of seasons series so i, <laughs> I messed that up uh but oh, no. uh yeah we got the, we got uh it's kind of landing on a good spot a little bit of a, a little bit of a I don't want to say lower budget, but like a smaller scale, specified scope RPG uh, landing in uh, October has a fun, you know, well drawn anime opening that Marvelous has shared on their um, on their YouTube channel.
3: It's a very anime opening. That's like when you think of an anime opening, that's the opening you think of Mm -hmm. (laughs) in terms of like uh, choreography and all sorts of stuff. It's it's a fun opening. I I I don't know the the make of the game. It's like I probably have to like see for myself, like if I'll like it or not. I don't know. It seems neat, but
1: Josh, are you ever going to play Rune
3: Factory 4? I I will, eventually. I will. Before I perish, probably. Well, something I, else would, I, would, I, would, I mean, why wouldn't I? I mean, my good friend Chow like, gifted it to me, so I well, have you, to.
0: You, you have to perish before we hear about Tsukuhime Remarked Part 2, apparently, then we establish it. I think that's
3: yeah. No, I'm. I'm hoping I don't perish before that game comes out. I mean, if you're if you you're hoping I perish before I do, that.
0: <laughs> no, I'm not hoping. We
3: really. need, need to talk.
1: <laughs> you know what the meme is, right? People said that if Natsu couldn't do it, they'll make a Natsu AI to finish his novels.
3: <laughs> oh God, no! It's it's okay. I mean, oh my God, I don't know what I'm to gonna... A Natsu AI sounds nightmarish. <laughs> like. Like that, because that's like, like, that's like unchained Nasu. You never want Nasu unchained. You want at least, at least one supervisor to be like, dude, come on, (laughs) dude. Uh,
0: Also at Anime Expo, I don't know if James attended this because he would have already seen it um, earlier in the month. Uh, The upcoming RPG Sandland. This is the, uh, based on the Toriyama, Akira Toriyama one-shot manga. So during Anime Expo, we got a tiny bit of additional gameplay footage showing some like vehicle gameplay. Uh, and in addition to this, they said that the game will also have presence at uh, San Diego with a San Diego Comic-Con with a hands-on demo. And they also mentioned a um, a movie announcement. I don't know if they meant like opening no, movie. No, no, no. Or, no, it, no the no, movie no.
2: was already announced. They okay. said that the premiere of it would be at Comic-Con. Okay, yeah. the premiere. There you go yeah
3: the sad project was always a multimedia thing so they first right. like the, like like the announcement of the film came before the game announcement like way mo- like months before so, so the
0: premiere will be at san diego comic-con along with a demo of the game
3: yeah and had, like the, the two vehicles they showed off are nice like it's like the tank and the jump bot the jump bot reminded me of like something from like steambot chronicles and i'm like hell yeah
0: They've really kind of kicked off the marketing of this game pretty darn quick. Two months ago, yeah. we didn't know it existed, and now we're like it's, had, it's going on to its third like convention showcase and going, allowing people to go hands-on, so that's pretty neat that it's been able to ramp up so quickly.
3: I, th- I think they're banking on like, like, like kind of building up this early support, so like if people get really hooked onto, onto the film, then they're like, hey, man, we have a repertoire of like mm. game footage available for you if you, if you really dug the
2: movie. I mean, it makes sense, because, like, Dragon Ball's popular, Dragon right. Quest's popular. There, it's like, a, a Toriyama stuff is just popular, so it's like, well, if we play our cards right here, we can really kind of bank off that.
3: I wasn't sad that popular then.
2: Because uh, it came out and was only <laughs> a manga. That's
3: true.
0: A couple release dates here into the late summer, early fall time frame. Uh, a game called Space Cat Tactics will be launching on july twenty fourth for p c It is a tactical game in space where you play as a cat surprise surprise uh I like for this uh the release trailer for this it has like some mass effect esque like really dramatic music uh and some like f t l sort of like gameplay more isometric and uh r t s looking than f t l did but it's you know seems like a fun little quirky game that's coming out before the end of the month so willing to give it a bit of a shout out here uh it looks like it'll also be a limited uh I hate using the frame the phrase like budget title, but it'll release for fifteen dollars so looks like a pretty fun price for a pretty like quirky game
3: yeah there's some there's some there's some like aspects that make it look like f t l like rooms on fire and
2: they're yeah like, oh God, what do I do <laughs> mm.
3: <laughs> the quintessential f t l experience
2: <laughs> when you pause in f t l think like look around your shit for like 10 minutes thinking if there's any way out of a situation before realizing that no you're fucked
0: okay. <laughs> uh in uh september we'll get the Mon Yu official western uh localization this came out back in 2021 uh in japan this is the is this the experience rpg which one is this this is not the one based on food it's the experience rpg with art by mota i think is the name who did seventh dragon very like chibi Mm. art and then uh it's it's like a dungeon crawler but it has like a score system of some sort i don't know the details but like you go through a floor and depending on like how well you play you get better rewards or not so that
3: seems to be the twist of this Mm. one um it also might have the longest English title of a video game. Yet, yeah, yeah, it,
0: it very much has the uh like light novel isekai type title. I'm not gonna read it because that's what they want. I'm stubborn. I read it. <laughs> I, I read I think it last we read time. It once before. Yeah. So. yeah. Manu. Adam, are you gonna play this? I think you, you or James. I I don't really like this. I I don't care for this art style so much, but I might play it. It's a RPG. Coming, in, it's coming out in like smack dab of middle of September. which is Yeah,
3: like, nothing, nothing else coming out that time. Yeah. That's coming out a day before my birthday.
0: Well, happy early birthday.
3: Yeah, good morning. Thank you.
0: <laughs> and then we have an announcement of a PC RPG coming out next year Wanderer's Sigil, which is a turn based roguelike RPG. will be launching on PC in 2024 from polish indie studio Viabo games
3: this is this one looks pretty cool from the trailer because like as you're wandering this overworld it's like all divided up by like a hexagon grid but like the hexagon grids are going up and down as you're <laughs> traveling through it i don't really know what's going on there it's like when you it's popping up like the world i guess when it's populating the world it kind of has like kind of like that uh, terraforming sort of like flow to it
0: mm-hmm What else do we got? Uh, a couple of Neptunia related announcements here at the end. When did these sneak in? I'll, I'll go through them. Neptunia Game Maker R Evolution will be releasing in the West in 2024. Uh, it, can, it is coming out in Japan pretty soon on August 10th, but it'll be coming West next year.
3: Are you excited?
1: I have no idea what this is.
3: <laughs> Damn.
1: There's, Are like,
2: you I feel excited, I, Josh? Uh, you know,
3: uh, being a seasoned veteran, I feel like it's it's for the new generation to consume now. Uh, I mean, that these, these games are no longer for me, probably. I mean, isn't it they're
2: HDK
1: or, or hyper high definition?
3: I high, I talking.
1: No way! It's hyper dimension now.
3: What the fuck?
0: <laughs> and then Neptunia Sisters versus Sisters will be releasing on Xbox Series and Xbox One in 2024 and i saw some interesting speculation on this release because seeing a neptunia game release on xbox i think as initially seems kind of like unexpected and it has no knowledge or announcement related to any game pass release which makes it seem like that this is just an speculative that it's an idea factory decision release on xbox and not something that's being like pushed by microsoft I don't know if there's any truth to that, or if there's any other details that have come out of that, but it just seems like they're kind of testing the waters to see if an Xbox release can do well for this game, despite not being uh, on Game Pass.
3: I... So when we,
0: whenever we tweet game news about, especially about like Japanese games that don't come to Xbox, which is most of them, there's always like a small cabal of people that are like, bring it to Xbox, no matter what then, it is. And
2: then there's this, and then there's the one guy, the <laughs> one guy who's <laughs> to Xbox.
0: He just says that every day, every time, <laughs> but yeah, there. I actually did see some people who were legitimately excited about this. I don't know if they're just like Xbox fans who are just like, I don't know what Neptunia is, but it's coming to Xbox. So I gotta play it. Uh, Hell yeah! Like there were there were some people who were excited.
3: I don't know if it's like genuine or are they fucking joking. <laughs> it's hard to tell. <laughs> I mean, it's I so hope I'm sorry. Who uh, t-
0: who clamor for Xbox JRPGs? I have to, I have to imagine it was genuine. Support Neptunia on Xbox. If you, if you want uh, to.
3: Oh my god, that has to be the uh, podcast it's, title.
0: <laughs> it's probably worth mentioning that this uh, the Sisters versus Sisters game, uh, it came out earlier this year in English on PlayStation 5, PlayStation 4, and PC, which is sort of interesting that that, actually, that PC port was actually simultaneous, because usually with Idea Factory, it's not. Um, but in Japan, they announced a the Switch version, which, this is pretty typical, where a Neptunia Switch port comes out later.
2: Um, that version actually hasn't been announced for the West yet. I'm sure it'll come, but Xbox first, I suppose. Uh, you're sure it'll come? Uh, what about the uh, version of uh, Rebirth on PlayStation 4 that never came to the West? Oh,
3: yeah. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> they're, I'm, I'm they're like, we got that. the
2: PS5 remake.
3: Oh, but was there a PS4 version? that?
2: The- yeah, there was a PS4 version before that. I, I
3: believe you. I believe I yeah, that. that that's story.
2: why the PS5 version of Rebirth had uh, five in the title because it was the fifth re release of that game. Oh, God. I never noticed that. <laughs> <laughs> because original PS3, Vita, PC, PS4, PS5. That's the fifth one.
3: <laughs> Man. This is not a series sucks.
2: <laughs>
0: well, now, the thing, as that's... someone who is not in this series, what what it makes it difficult for me to follow is that i can't tell based on the subtitles like what's mainline or what's spinoff or does mainline even exist anymore or is it all just spinoff i don't like that's that's me being honest like i am confused
3: after yeah. after the, after the the ps4 game the, the, high, the neptunia victory or whatever that, that, that was the last mainline everything after that was a spinoff it's because like we,
1: Heart
0: Syndrome.
3: Cause <laughs> we have <laughs> sister <laughs> versus
0: sisters we have like the we had the one That's where like off. neptunia versus center kagura which is obviously been off. off uh then there was like the neptunia rpg the neptunia mobile and then like versus sega hard girls and then like End game. Off. is this re-evolution mainline or also a spin-off, spin-off. oh i see okay so at least my confusion seems like it's everything
3: genuine. after i've mentioned of victory on ps4 everything is a spin-off after that that was the last main line so that was All like right. what year <laughs> whatever year that was that was the last main line everything else has been i don't even know if they care about that they don't know one. Does. I, I, I was
1: wondering how I just does idea factory to keep having this budget to keep making all these games? No, like...
3: I, I don't know, people people keep on buying these games, man. I, I don't know. I never it's seen like, like Agoris, like dude. It's like that like it, it was the Neptunia before Neptunia happened accidentally. <laughs> well
1: uh-huh. okay. okay, 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 fine.
3: What are you worried, are you ready to accept that these games exist or something? Was that Fine. the organization? And you
1: can do something by supporting them on the Xbox now.
3: Well, okay, what, what do you what do you want Idea Factory to do? Okay, they have no they have no ideas left, okay? They have Tell they them have, to make a, a
1: Okay, okay. Tell them to make a death end request without the gameplay. Because they suck at gameplay, so just make a visual novel.
3: <laughs> like, like the the two modes of idea factory are either Neptunia spin-offs or otome okay otome is probably the good like the better choice here but you know someone has to look after the tunia fans it sure isn't gonna be me but someone has to
1: nathan will do it
3: the strongest warrior
1: yeah bless his heart nathan Nathan is our strongest natunia warrior okay
3: you're not wrong
0: taking the mantle after zach someone has to
3: <laughs> i'm just imagining exactly like the cool like pose like go on carry my legacy to <laughs> oh no what have you made me think of
1: yeah peaked
0: uh, and i think that covers us for all the headlines this week so we were able to get quite a bit of discussion out of the anime expo uh announcements and just james's experience there we're able to go back and discuss some of the other releases from a few months ago or a few months ago from a month ago uh um in terms of Final Fantasy and then the recent release of uh Trails into Reverie so I'm not exactly sure what'll be on the docket for next month I think there's a few embargoes that are releasing we'll see a couple of uh, James's final there, features and previews that are going up from Anime Expo
2: I can say the end of this month is going to be a lot of stuff
0: <laughs> yeah yep and then of course August is going to kick off with Baldur's Gate 3 and then it's not going to slow down so looking forward to that if you uh, enjoyed this podcast, if you've listened all the way through to the end and haven't clicked off, uh, please let us know uh, what you're thinking. Give us a rating on uh, on the comment on the site page or thumbs up on YouTube. Let us know what we're doing well or not doing well. Uh, We'd love to hear that feedback, whether it's positive or negative. Uh, you can find RPG site on all the social media platforms. Um, as of right now, it's Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. We will keep an eye on things as they unfold. But as of right now, that's still all true. Um, You can join our Discord by hitting the link at the top of our homepage. or going to discord.gg slash RPG site. Seems like it's been uh, pretty active lately. So um, if you're not sure where to find us or if you're worried about the social media climate shifting too dramatically, just go ahead and join our Discord. That way you'll always know where where we're at. And we'll be back uh, next week with another episode of the TetraCast. Thank you all so much for listening. Until you hear from us next time, stay safe and take care. We will talk to you all later.